Steel's HQ 106. What is a Batman? Guys, welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. We got Colin back. Well, he was here last time, too. We love you. Yeah! <laughs> the big C himself. The big C cancers. What a big C, that guy. <laughs> I'm not it's a, the other big it's C. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Metalocalypse reference. Uh, oh, man, it's been so long since I watched that. And Mr. Tony Morales. God, what a good show. Uh-huh. Here we are. drug dealer slash badass trainer. We got... Filmmaker, Just drug dealer. Took me a second to ca- to realize why you said that. Legally, <laughs> legally, legally, might I add. Legally moving the stuff. I I interviewed a uh, Roland Doobie the other day. We're releasing that in a couple of days. <laughs> and uh, Doobie's a great guy, man. And uh, I, I got to make sure right. I remember to preface uh, that uh, in the headline when I release it that he actually doesn't have to have surgery. Oh, he doesn't. That's does, good. Does not. He might actually make it. Um, the other thing well, that is, sucks. I mean, he might make it. Yeah. Uh, what kind of surgery was he going to have to have that he his, might not make it? Broke his leg, man. The provider and him went toe to toe, and he took a oh, bad man. spill, man. That's well, terrible. Well, uh, we we got into it talking about weed, obviously, because we were we were talking about like how we like first time all that stuff, and I was like, does the idea of a guy still exist? Do you remember having your guy to to buy weed from? I think it probably does because I know a half a dozen people who, maybe more, who smoke or they have gummies or they have product of some sort, but they've got to go through somebody that's got a card. Yeah. Because the effed up situation is that it doesn't take anything to get a card. So the people who don't have a card, I don't know why they don't have a card. They just go to a doctor. I'm just too lazy for a card. Yeah. Maybe it is, but I think some people are apprehensive. I know one guy, and he's like, yeah, I got a card. And I'm like, for uh, what? And he's like, situational stress. So I just <laughs> went in and told him I uh, I uh, needed it for situational stress. And the guy was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Wrote him a script. I've, I've, like, Are you serious? I, I've always wondered what that situation would be like when you go in to get your card. Like, it's like a bad, like, setup for a porno. Like, ooh, doctor, ow, ooh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel like it's, it's like that old John Mulaney shit. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I pee 11 times a day. <laughs> and next yep. thing you know, you're bent over that stool. It's like, nope. Need that red card. <laughs> yep. How badly do you need it? How badly? Yeah. yeah. We, we, we badly need it. I can honestly cops. say I have never had a guy. I, 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 it's not my thing at all. I can't yeah, say that. I've I've never, never, never been my thing. So I remember, yeah. I remember having my first guy on my like red Nokia with the clear, with the clear uh, extra skin I bought for it, and like calling him up and like you know like there's rules you can't mention shit over like cell phone because it's like Pulp Fiction. Do I call me on a cellular fucking phone? Um, but even then, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like a cop listening would have been like, oh, 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 never mind. These guys are clearly just having a, a, a wonderful exchange of two gentlemen trying to help each other out at three in the morning. Um, 
happened. <laughs> as long as he, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the not in Colorado. There's a concept of a guy, maybe in Oklahoma, but uh, damn. I mean, in Oklahoma, you might need a guy, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know why. What? So what? It's just the idea that there was a guy. Well, you have your guy, the I, one that would you know, sell you weed. Like that's that was the thing. Yeah, I guess so. That's the the slang term for your your sure your, your sure no, I get dealer. that. But you got to be careful in Oklahoma, man, because pretty much everything is laced with meth there. Uh, yeah. I, what what is it? I saw the other day, or in the middle of the summer here, I cracked up because I said uh, I saw a, a meme, and I, I was like, "Oh, this is funny." So I would walk up to somebody <laughs> like a jerk and be like. Oh, man, they started, did you see that there are murder hornets in Oklahoma? What, what? There are already murder hornets? And I'm like, yeah, they're murder hornets. But they found them, they're already dead. They're like, wait a minute, what? They found the murder hornets, but they're dead? Like, yeah, yeah, apparently uh, they got here, and they got killed by the mosquitoes. They're like, what? Like, then people are trying to figure this (laughs) out. You're like, they're being killed by the mosquitoes because the mosquitoes are all fueled by (laughs) by. Uh, meth blood and Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It worked. Uh, it worked on several people, <laughs> and then they punched me, and I cried and went away. <laughs> I went home, and the joke was no longer funny. <laughs> Speaking of meth, did any of you guys watch the uh, go to the new uh, Matrix website? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No. I, you know what? I I looked today because I saw something that there was a trailer. It was like, okay, I'll check out this trailer for real. And then I got to it, and they were like, "No, it's coming out on Thursday." <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Oh, you dear. The, the website popped. I popped like a motherfucker because uh, when the Matrix first came out, the website wasn't thematrix.com. It was whatisthematrix.com, and oh, yeah. it, it had all these clues. It was a really like it was one of the coolest like websites back in like 1999 that wasn't like a GeoCities or a Hotmail fucking website. And, uh, <laughs> GeoCities. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I remember I was really sad when they finally took that down. I think I want to say they took what is the Matrix down back in like 2010 or 11. But my sister, oh, I'm, at, yeah. I'm at work yesterday, and I just get a text message from her that just says, what is the Matrix.com? And I just fucking, uh, excuse me, sir, um, I have a little bit of a computer trouble here. I'm going to put you on hold for just a couple of minutes. I uh, just got to reset a couple of things. One of those things when the computer's been too long. Oh, I completely understand. No problem. Got my fucking laptop in front of me. Wasmates.com. Fuck, like, and it just, it immediately, the, the, the code pops out in 3D, still running sideways. It's going all these different ways. And then all of a sudden the time comes out. Like, I'm like, wait, it says 302. And I look over and it's like, oh, it's 302. And, um, the time. Yeah. And then it gives you the option to pick the red pill or the blue pill. Obviously, you pick the red pill. And uh, then I picked the blue pill, and then uh, I just picked the red pill again because I wanted to watch it again. But it turns out the website, up until tomorrow before the actual trailer comes out, has 1,800 or 180,000 different variations of what you can see when you... Oh, wow. Like, uh, I sent it to my sister. I think it was like, I I legit, I'm not over-exaggerating, 180,000 different ways you could see it in... uh, we saw a lot of cool stuff. The, the one thing I really popped for was, uh, remember when the the way the Sentinels would all get together and, like, destroy something? They, they would all mm-hmm. band together. Um, you see this, like, portal open, and all these mini Sentinels come together, and they start spinning around each other and form a full, a full human. And I think that's what the agents are. And, oh, uh, they're Sentinels. Yeah, huh? and you see, you see Kyrian Moss... 
probably pregnant. Carrie, yeah, Carrie and Musk. Mm-hmm. Probably pregnant. I mean, there was like all this cool shit. Like it was, it wasn't like saturated in, in like. Remember how they they felt it was like it wasn't blue. It was like a green overtone, right? It was green. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was that they in the real world, uh, well, in the Matrix, everything had a green hue because they filmed it without dealing with the filters so that the fluorescence, they use regular fluorescent lights. That's mm-hmm. what casts that green glow. And, of course, they upscaled that in color correction. Right. Uh, but, like, in the real world, it was a little bit oversaturated. Um, anyway, yeah, that's just movie-making techniques. Go ahead. Well, that's pretty much it, man. I don't want to ruin it. I'm really excited. Um, the Matrix was, I mean, you and I, like, you you and I called you called me a big a freaking deal, dude. It's a big fucking deal. You called me like like two months ago, and like we somehow ended up on the Matrix. Oh, it was this month. It was early. It was right after this last job, and we talked about the Matrix for like two hours that night. Yeah. Shit, Tony. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Tony and I can talk about wrestling like that too, man. So, so we just go on a fucking limb. And next thing you know, it's like four in the morning. Like shit, we got to get up. That's <laughs> because <laughs> I've never seen the Matrix. Well, I was trying to describe it, but because you don't re- you don't know how to read. It was hard. <laughs> you can't. If I recall, the like, it was like for one thing, we just went silent when you said that, and then I, know, uh, I, I just want to see what you guys say. <laughs> I remember, I, the, I I remember the very movies. first time I saw the trailer I for it was the during the Super Bowl in I think it was either ninety eight or ninety nine. Uh, no, it had to be the Super Bowl ninety nine. And uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we were at Eskimo Joe's in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And, um, which was weird because I had no interest in the Super Bowl. It's not like you were going to be able to hear anything, but I just, I had this fear of missing out. And I was like, we got to go like someplace where cool stuff is happening. It's the dumbest thing in the world. And, uh, we're eating and I see the trailer for it. And I just remember seeing him stick his fingers in the mirror and turning silver and Lawrence Fishburne and these, those like, you know, like wipes and like flares and stuff for transitioning through all the shots in the edit. There's a and wall of mirror up. this time. There's a wall. Oh, I, of, I dig that. There's a wall of mirror this time, and then they reshoot. Like, there's like three shots that, like, I don't know why they did it because I, I'm not. I don't want any fucking nostalgia in this. I want a full fucking new Matrix movie. But you see that. Remember when he was uh, trying to rescue Morpheus, and the oh, uh, and gosh, they, they yes. do that. They do that. Uh, bug's eye view of all the bullets falling from the fucking helicopter. <laughs> they, yeah. do, they do that again, but like in a different perspective. And then there's another shot where remember when Morpheus uh, was like, "Save him! He's the only thing that matters." And like they're in the walls, and then the the, uh-huh. they, the agents just like in, in the in the Morpheus. They do that again, but it's a it's it's different. And I'm, I'm I, I think what's going to happen from like a reporter that was like given away because they got reporters got to see this like a week ago um Mm -hmm. that it's you see neo like get out of bed and like go to like you know like he's got a hangover and goes to his medicine cabinet and like taking some pills but he instead of pouring out motrin he's pouring out a shitload of fucking blue pills and all and uh it's it's i can't fucking wait (laughs) it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be absolutely amazing christmas and that's the thing like I, I, I saw people wearing BB-8 shirts before the first new Star Wars movie came out. And I was like, it's, it's like it's a month and a half before that movie comes out. And you're already wearing You don't even know what he is. You yeah. don't know if he's cool. You don't know if the movie's going to be any good. Yeah, remember I and bought like, that and, Kylo Ren shirt and I 
came home immediately and threw it in the trash? Oh, no. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, Kylo Ren was... I don't know. I, got, I love him in the third movie. Uh, there's so many things. It's like so frustrating with that character. There's so much that I do like about him in situations that they set up. And unfortunately, it was all way too predictable. It's like, okay, well, this is going to happen. It's just a question of whether or not it's, you know, how is it going to happen? But, like, yeah, I mean, it's the freaking Matrix. Like, the, I, I, that's the thing that bothers me about people. Like, they haven't, they don't like the sequels. Well, why? Because, because what? It, 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 it just, nobody really nails down what they don't like about the sequels. I remember one guy talking about how it went religious this way, and then it went religious this way, and then it went back to religious that, that or, original way. And I'm like, so what? Like, it's cool. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's a, it's all a Christ tale, whether you like take, it or not. Take what you want from it. Just try yeah. to have some fucking fun. Now, before yeah. we, before we get into comics, I want to pose a question to you guys because uh-huh. uh, I, I, I'm caught up on Batman Reptilian, and Mr. Morales here, biggest Batman fan I've ever met, was not a big fan of it. You read, you read what issue one? I read issue one. Didn't care for it. That's fine. That's fine. I, I got cut up on three. Uh, I was really uh, a sucker for. It wasn't psychedelic art, but it was definitely pushing the boundary of what like is easy to look at in terms of. I mean, mm-hmm. it was gorgeous art, but there were some things where you had to really like zoom in, focus. Like, okay, is that like what is that what it's supposed to be? Or is it like? I think the reason why that you didn't like it is because Garth Ennis kind of flipped the script on what Batman is. So he's constantly driving in the Batmobile, which is really cool, actually. Uh, but he's also... He's extra brutal to the... He, he's as real brutal to to the baddies. We're having difficulty finding out what's going on because the DNA that they're finding is definitely reptilian, but the uh, it's not like the, the reptile is... Uh, trying to infect people, but he's definitely, the, the, the bites that he's giving people, like, he barely got any information out of Oswald Copperpot. Um, like, like Batman was literally beating him while he was laying there bleeding out, and like, I need help, where's the paramedics? I sent him to the second floor, because I wanted to have an alone time with you. And, uh, out of, out of the, the bites, they got, um, estrogen. Reptilian Ooh. estrogen. So, they, no one knows where uh, Killer Croc is, because that's obviously the logical choice of who this is. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they dive into the idea of where did Killer Croc even come from? Does he even know where he came from? But at the same time, Batman is... He's a full professional asshole in this. And especially the way he talks to the cops, the way he talks to the criminals, the way he handles himself during battles... I think the reason why you didn't like it wasn't because he was the quintessential Batman that falls into what you demand out of your Batman. Because I know that I know for a goddamn fact that you can be challenged to different Batmans. I mean, you you love fucking White Knight. Um, yeah, White Knight, uh, freaking uh, anything, and anything else. Worlds is normally pretty good. Oh right. man, I love the Else Worlds from yeah. That's please, yeah, that's, yeah, totally. My question to both y'all is the reason why I'm bringing it up, not that I'm like some higher state of consciousness, but because I was able to 
I got lucky because I read it really late at night and had no expectations, and it was really able to suspend my sense of disbelief. So I was able to enjoy it for what it was. My question mm-hmm. to both you guys is, what should Batman be? Like, not like what should Batman be? What is your favorite Batman? Uh, what is the quintessential has Batman has to have these things for it to be a good Batman? For it to be a good baddie? A Batman. Any one of those questions. You don't have to focus on all of them. Yeah. But I want to know what Batman What does Batman have to have? Let's, 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 okay, Tony, between you and me, I mean, what's the basis of Batman? Orphan, millionaire, Alfred, gadget, detective, bat costume. I mean that's kind of it. It's it's what that's five six things, right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you can get a little bit more tiered up. You can be like, okay, Batmobile, Batplane, Batboat, you know, Bat vehicles. But like, you know, what else is there? I mean, there's the Bat signal. There's all that stuff that's got to be the basis. So, in my opinion, you're either doing a bat if you're doing a Batman origin story, which we've seen a dozen times now, <laughs> at least. Then you know, then you have to introduce those elements one after the other. And you get into, like, Batman 1989, where it's like, okay, we're introducing little things, and it's like, okay, blah, 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 but you get down to the end, it's like, oh, there's the bat signal. Okay, thank goodness. You know, now it feels like a fully-fledged bat story to me. So, like, those basic elements... All right, so after that, what have you got? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think overall, I think you're you pretty much hit it on the nose. You know, you need those things. You know, you got you've got the lore of Batman. You've got him. You know, basically the thought process is taking something horrible and utilizing that, utilizing that pain, that trauma into something good that can help mm-hmm. other people to make sure other people don't end up in that same way. And that's you know, other things don't you know, bad things don't happen to. More people that, quite frankly, don't deserve it. That's the you crazy know, bit of it, though. That's one of the things that's the the, the, the the insanity of Batman is that you can't stop at all. You're not oh, Superman. Yeah. You can't be everywhere at once. And even Superman's never anywhere at once. But like, Or everywhere at once. But, like, I love that. But it's a futility. So maybe there's a futility to Batman that's that wonderful. makes it make sense. Yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending battle. Yeah. I think that's what it is for a lot of superheroes. For a lot of hero characters, it is a never-ending battle. You're never really, truly going to win, but you're driven to do something more all of the time. And for yeah. a second there, we, you said something, and I was like, oh, here's another direction. So tell me more, because I, I, and I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I will, I will if I, I hit on something, I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah let's do that. And I, mean, I think that's a lot of what comes down to all superheroes, really, when you think about it. Is it is, it's always kind of that never-ending battle. There's always going to be, you know, we you know, we always joke about how Arkham Asylum was like this revolving door because mm-hmm. uh-huh. somebody every yeah. time somebody goes in, somebody two other people get out. The freaking rogues you know? gallery, man, Batman. You know. That's a, a whole other part of his foundation. I'm going to say, like, you know, we've got that basic level. Like, what is Batman? These are those basics. But then there's that extra stuff. What is Batman without his villains? So it's all of those particular villains feed into it, and then the Bat family, and then team affiliations. But what, you know, you go back and I say, like, Batman 89, do we need the Robin? 
do we need any of those other guys? It's just the Joker. It's just a little sprinkle of Harvey Dent here and there. It's, mm-hmm. it's at least saying Commissioner Gordon in yeah. the GCPD who can't seem to get their act together in a crazy town. What what should Batman be? In my estimation, years ago, I had a conversation with a DC writer. And he was somebody who's very familiar to me and somebody we've talked about on this show. But I'm not going to go out on the limb and say who it is this time. Uh, and I said, Batman should be, you know, if he's the world's greatest detective, he's got everything on everybody. The villains, he's got access to everything that the federal and state level law enforcement has. He could be the single greatest supervillain that has ever happened. And if they did one year's worth of comics where Batman was the villain, they you know, to, or they, even if he wasn't the villain, but the catalyst for you guys all need to do better. Well, that one was, I'm doing this all night, every night, and I'm gonna <laughs> I can release I can release all of this info to the whole world if you guys can't do it. If he was the puppet master pushing everybody around for a year. Mm-hmm. And what would it prove to them on the other side of it? How much change would that create? You know? Yeah. Could anybody ever trust him again? He didn't even have to be the villain, but he could be the guy behind the curtain. You're talking about Doom. You know, they did that. They, yeah, they, T- Tower of Babel's uh, the comic book version of it. But, yeah, where he's got mm-hmm. all the information on all – he's got all the weaknesses of all the Justice League. And I don't remember in Doom if it was Ra's al Ghul, but in, the, in Tower of Babel it was Ra's al Ghul that found out all that information and used it against the entire Justice League. Mm. And and Batman's whole thing is like, you know, you guys are some of the most powerful people in the world. If you gave any one of us or several of us went rogue, we're screwed. Like how could, how you guys say how, you know, how could I do this? I say, how could I not? Oh dude. Yeah. It's a wonderful, that's, it's exactly it. Like, if that That's story has been told, and I'm not completely familiar with the DCU, then I'm glad. But at the same time, you could, you know, when you think about the legendary books, like the like Killing Joke and uh, and uh, Nightfall, I mean, mm-hmm. that's those are tomes, and it takes a while to develop into those situations. And that's why, you know, Joshua, when we're writing together, and you're like, here's an idea, we should do this, and I'm like, okay, cool, but we got to get there. Right. You've got to get yep. to that point. It's because the quality of the story, when the, when the reader is not necessarily paying for it, I'm not literally saying that, but, uh, and I'm not even saying like, you know, oh yeah, I want their $4, $5 every issue. I'm saying like, when they, they buy into the pace and the beats, and when you get to those moments where it's like, oh, there, Batman just got his back broken, you know, I'm saying like, when you develop into that, that's you're you're asking me what I think Batman should be. I think Batman should be the person who is pulling the strings, disappears for a year. No one can find him. No one knows where he is, but he can stay in communication with everybody. No one can crack the code, and it's like I've got something on everybody. And like, just see how much better you can do. What what if I disappear? Keep that into your back pocket because we're about yeah. to get that full fucking punch in the face. Exactly what you just said when we get into Fear State Alpha. <laughs> okay. Um, a couple more follow-up questions for you, gentlemen. Um, 
do you think Batman, other than London, or I always thought that, well, not always, ever since Batman versus Superman, I realized that New York is Metropolis, we always knew that, yeah. but Gotham is obviously the, the piece of shit, like, drive through it, get a lump in your breast, New Jersey. Um, <laughs> okay, that's terrible, but okay. And um, do you think he could exist in any other city? Like, L.A., Seattle? Yeah. Texas? I, I, oh, yeah. No I, I'll tell you what. One of the books that I picked up today that we're, that we're going to review has an ad for Batman, because uh, the whole book was just ads for Batman with a, with a, a DC character story who's part of the Bat family. Let me see if I'm trying to find Batman it. comes to OKC. Dude, no, the whole, yeah, that, that book series uh, is, come on, this shouldn't be this difficult. What, it's one page out of the whole book. It's, oh yeah, Batman the World, The Dark Knight's War on Crime Goes Global, coming in September 2021. All new graphic novel by 14 international all-star teams. That sounds great. It's got, dude, yeah, check this out. I think this is going to be badass. Uh-huh. Because... I, I really appreciated in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies when he went to Hong Kong and pulled that guy out and extradited him to the U.S. for trial. I'm like, why not? Batman doesn't have to just exist in Gotham. Spider-Man mm-hmm. needs the concrete jungle of skyscrapers to swing around and do his do his work. Correct. There's not a lot of places he's going to get confined to a downtown area in most metropolitan American cities. But, mm-hmm. like... You know, but like that's not where all the action is, you know, unless he's riding on top of buses. And it's like, okay, so, you know, Batman, Batman should be worldwide. Batman, his reach. Plus, he's, Batman's always had, if you read Batman Incorporated, they did that whole thing where there was a Batman in every country. You know, there there was, there was a, in um, Batman the Detective, the Squire is the, is, um, uh, the Knight and the Squire were the Batman and Robin of England. Right, you I'm know, down. and there was, there was a there was like a Chinese Batman. There was a um, Native American Batman. There was a Spaniard, a Spanish Batman, a Spaniard Batman. Yeah, um, there was all kinds. Of, there was there were several variations of it. I think it was, it was yeah. They they called it something specific because I remember they utilized it in I want to say Batman R.I.P. when they freaking they killed. There was a Greece bat. There was a Batman from Greece. There was just like, there was about ten of them, and a couple of them got they brought them all together, and somebody tried to uh, uh, kill them all, and then cool. they killed like one or two of them off. I distinctly remember being in a comic shop with Colin, looking at Batman Incorporated, being like, "Jesus fucking Christ, how many more goddamn Batman titles do we need?" <laughs> and at the same time, apparently one more. I get it. I, I I think that that would be totally rad. I like the idea. It's it's not that there's so many Batman titles, and let me tell you, every single ad in this this uh, DC book I picked up is for a new Batman title. Yeah. But like, because the man can't be everywhere at once. But who cares? Like, I mean, we have so many Superman titles. We got Wolverine on every team. None of that stuff matters. Yeah. Just you know, it's if Batman. It's not a question of. It's not a question of, at its essence, what is Batman, or what do you guys think Batman ought to be? It's it's that everybody's got to take, and there, there are so many, ba- I've got a Batman story, I just spilled it for you all. Right. I can mm-hmm. spread that out over 24 issues, you know, I well, think that would be badass. Well, I've got and a, 
I've got an ace. I've got well, actually, I've got oh. a uh, I've got a, uh, a Ruby Soho, a Joker card. I've got a uh, I've got the glue. I've got the uh, Phil Hartman. I think the reason why, and I and it took me a while. I really sat and thought about this. I think the reason why, no matter what happens at Batman, the overlying aspect that holds it all together is the detective. I was gonna, yeah. That's that should be Batman at his finest. He is the world's greatest detective in the DCU, and unfortunately, I don't feel like that's the direction they ever take it. He goes out and he punches out. He, he figures things out, but there's no there's no detective work. There's no build. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever. Yeah, I think that's the case. There's never any build. He, what I, what I appreciate. You go back to like Blade, and Blade is like I got all. I, you know, I've got. Whistler, and I've got this hematologist I've got to work with, and then I've got like this, that, and the other. But then he goes to that dude that he's friends with that's got a little business and has some kind of like essence of garlic or whatever. It's like a potion or an apothecary or something like that. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I want to know more about that. That this guy's got like a place in every town where there's some kind of like anti vampire squad. Like, build up. I want to see Batman going and getting the forensics. At least in Christopher Nolan, when they reconstructed the bullet and they got a print off of it and they figured out who the guy was that attempted to assassinate and blah, 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 and it was the joke. I was like, that's cool. Wasn't that that's detective. Polka Dot Man? Polka Dot Man. Can't say. Can't say that that was Polka Dot <laughs> I think the biggest thing, that, like, one of the things that, like, if you look at it reality-wise... Is like, if there was a Batman in, like, you know, real, real reality... There would be one everywhere because people would look towards it and people would be inspired by it and people would want to do their own thing and do their own take. You know, it's like how on any, you know, anytime you go to a comic con, there, you know, there's people find that character they relate to and next thing you know, they're cosplaying as them. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like if there was, if there was a legit vigilante utilizing all this cool stuff and like doing all this stuff, there would, instantaneously, not maybe instantaneously, but there would be copycats. Uh, like, you know, yeah. I in think different, different towns, different again. cities, maybe even different countries. You know, freaking, that's how that's how these things happen. That's how wrestling gets into different co- co- uh, countries, like Chile. They didn't have wrestling for the longest time until they, you know, somebody liked WWE. They found it on YouTube, and they basically trained themselves. Like it was one of those big stories they would tell, than like the uh, cruiserweight classic, if I remember correctly. Correct. But like you always have, you're always going to have those people that look up to these guys to such a degree, whether it, you know, flatter, you know, imitations of sincerest form of flattery, or whether they actually take it seriously, or whether they're just screwing around. There, there's gonna be copycats. Like it's so, it's just the way it is. You know, people now are like, you know, how much money would it cost yeah. to make to be Batman, to make a Bat Cave, to have to have a Batmobile, to make the armor. <laughs> you know, how many times do people be like, oh, I want, you know, you know, I want to have an Iron Man armor. You know, people people have put thought into it now to be like, how would I create <laughs> this? Me. How would I I'm make sorry. this? So I mean, there there would be I got of all the things. I could see a Batman Incorporated where there was a Batman in every country, you know, just, you know, networking with other Batman to get tips and be like, 
how do I do this right? How did you come up with this? How did this work? Only a question of intellect and physicality at a certain mm-hmm. point. You know, you're going to be great point. Yeah, I mean, you, do you have somebody who's capable of? And it's also a question of like, what's the point? How long can someone legitimately be Batman? Nobody goes out and you, you, you get into a thing and you're like, I'm just going to like hover on rooftops and look for problems. There's plenty of dumb bar mashups and abusive boyfriends and stupid things happening on any given night. Just in downtown Tulsa, even in the middle of COVID, there are just dumb, like, more often than not, I think Batman would just, like, punch up on a frat guy who'd had too much to drink and was pushing his girlfriend around. Like, that's that's the kind of crime. Now, uh, like, more off, more likely than not, the way that the media wants us to think right now, like, Batman would be swooping in on a police scanner, keeping an eye on the cops to see if they're mistreating people of color. Like... What's what's the target for a guy yeah. like this? You know, I mean, are, but do you know? Oh yeah, I happen to know there's something going on at the customs office uh, that I heard through my high society whatnot. I think earliest Batman stories had Bruce Wayne going to these places and like hearing something and being like, "I'm going to drive up there in my weird V8 and like try to stop a problem." And it's like, oh yeah, you know. So Batman swoops in takes care of something, and then it's like, okay, well, does that turn into a thing where the mob gets involved, and then is he bringing down uh, a crime family in his particular locale? Like, how does this stuff develop? And that's the that's the business. Like, every time I've ever tried to write any kind of season one type of vigilante story... That's how you get it, because after, after a certain point, it's like, okay, well, hey, we had a vigilante for, for six months, and then something happened, and no one knows. Nobody ever found a body, so we got to assume this character's still alive, but did they go? It's like a serial killer disappearing for a while. But maybe that's the crazy thing. Maybe maybe there, there's a superhero that's a serial killer. He's not exactly killing people, but he's a, he's got a thing. He or she has a thing where I have to go out and stop something. Tony, he opened a can of worms, man. <laughs> Tony, isn't it funny? It's like he's, it's like he's read Fear State Alpha without reading it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, can... like you were so right on like, I want to say about a, a solid nine different points you just had. Yeah. Like, let's get into Fear State. Uh, before we do, I just want to just sound off on the comics we're doing tonight. We're doing uh, Fear State Alpha number one. Uh, we already did Reptilian uh, 2 through 3, pretty much. Uh, the Beauty, number 30. Uh, final Issue, Dark Arc, number 1. Pennyworth, number 1 of 7. Moon Knight, 1 and 2. King Spawn, number 1. Batman, number 112. Hellions, number 15. And we already talked about The Matrix. Now, the Matrix. You're talking about the serial killer. What does he do if he disappears for a while? Now, we get thrown straight in a fear state where um, Simon Saint head of the magistrate created peacekeeper zero one this is flashback now where you were going head on when when you're you're talking about a slow burn you're talking about a detective story you're talking about something different other than just like going and slashing throats 
uh, like mm-hmm. where the, the, where we need something a little bit more introspective for not just true blue Batman fans, but also people that are just the the type that you don't need to throw them into a story, and then the first twenty minutes has to be Peter Parker getting bit by a radioactive spider. Right. Uh, uh, no, that like we get thrown into Simon Saint, who is paid top dollar to fucking be alone with 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 Crane. And the artwork mm. as we transition through this issue. This is a I, I want to say it's digital but they 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 digitally colored it the way someone with uh really expensive um color pencils would do it. Crane's like fuck you, what do you want from me? I know you want something from me. He's like, ah, dude, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of chilling. I got an idea and and I think we can pull it off. And the idea is that through military study, uh, through many experiments, they realize that you can't just scare people. Like, you know, 9-11 happened and, you know, we all united for a little bit, you know, uh, whether or not your opinion what happened in 9-11. But for a solid time, the, the United States people really united. Rather than be scared that something else was going to happen, you know the, the the airports were only closed down for a little bit, as opposed mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. what's happened in COVID now, where really the airports shut down for weeks. Yeah. Higher state of consciousness here, Mister Crane. Um, I want to create a fear state. You know what? I've been thinking about that too. Um, but it's going to be extremely difficult to pull off. I want 150 fucking million dollars in my goddamn account, the ones I say, and I need. I need complete leeway to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Hey, man, cool. Let's do it. And the fear state that they've been building up is, you know, when you hear about, like, when comics or books start incorporating things like uh, current uh, socio-political climate where we're worried about 1984 and we're constantly being monitored and social media dictates what we're scared of. They took that, mm-hmm. and Scarecrow has been slowly but surely, like, god damn it, has it been since you, you joined Minefields, Tony, since Scarecrow has been doing this, like, slowly eking his way in, into creating more and more fear? No, nah, it definitely hasn't been that long, but it's definitely, it, they've been, this has been slow burning for, I'd say, at least probably the last four to six months. Correct. Now, before I hand it off to you guys... We got a couple things we have to realize. Future State lasted two months. I, I couldn't get enough of it. Tony and I read pretty much every goddamn thing that there was for Future State. Then yeah, that's pretty solid. We, we knew everything about Peacekeeper 1, Batman's on the run or possibly dead. Uh, we've got uh, Next Batman. We've got Red Hood working for the man. Uh, we, we've got the absolute worst case scenario playing out for a solid three or four issues of each comic book. And then it just ended, and then we go to where we are now, the beginning where we are now, where we're introducing Peacekeeper 1, the Magistrate, that sort of thing. So, the storytelling is completely unique. I've never read a story, like, you remember how people bitched when Pulp Fiction came out? Like, it was, like, I couldn't follow the story, but Tarantino was like, if this was a novel, (laughs) if this was a novel, y'all wouldn't have any fucking problem with it. Um, But the medium we're doing it in, they're doing a, a, a Tarantino swerve here, where they gave us something took it away, rewound to where we left off uh, where the DC Universe was in the Batman-verse, 
before Future State started, and now we're seeing the inklings of how the Magistrate gets started, Peacekeeper won, and in the back of our head throughout the entire... Everything we read in the Bat Family, whether if it's in Detective, uh, or, or, or learning anything about Clown Hunter, we know that that is going to be the future, and I don't know how we're going to get out of that w- without some crazy WWE swerve where Chris Jericho is going to not going to wrestle if he loses, but he's got his foot on the... He's got his foot on the thing, and then they restart, or some <laughs> asshole comes in and pulls some DQ, and everything just gets rewiped, and it's back status quo beforehand. I don't think that they're going to do that to us, and that's where that's I'm the gonna, thing that yeah, I'm sick of things that don't just leave a lasting imprint. Now, yeah, that was that was my huge problem with Three Jokers was like, oh yeah, we did it, and then it was just okay. It was it was its own little contained story. It was like this thing needs to reverberate. For years, like the fact that we haven't we haven't had Alfred come back full time yet is fantastic. You know, build on that. You know, we're still we're still seeing the ramifications of that in books like Batman and Robin and the Robin series right now. Correct. You know, that was that was a big huge point we talked about last week, and he's been dead for a year and a half, almost two years. Correct. City of Bane. I want to say it was like yep. November. But but this yeah, is, that was issue seventy five, I believe, and then we're in issue one twelve now. This is where I think you're going to shine, Tony, because the next time the next we turn the page and where Crane is in full Arkham gear and he looks like a regular ass human being, and then we get to him in his full fledged crazy ass like scarecrow. His new scarecrow gear. Yeah, go for it, brother. Yeah, you know he's talking about you know. I hope that, you know, and he's talking to Batman, and he's just like, Batman, I hope, you know, when this is all said and done, I think you'll really appreciate what I'm doing, which is a really interesting take <laughs> on it. Because he's got Batman here just tied to a chair, and he's like, you know, I think, you know, deep down, I don't really think we're all that different, you and I. We both utilize fear to get what we want. And one of the biggest things I like to point out, I want to point out real quick is that... Uh, Tinian did a little a little interview in the back of the comic books a few months ago, and like the biggest thing about Fear State is that Scarecrow is doing all this without using a single drop of his fear toxin. That was my like point he, earlier. He, exactly. He's totally taking this you know this huge event and twisting everything. It's not the same. It's not the same old Scarecrow. This is a character that. Has learned from his mistakes. Well, to be perfectly clear, he hasn't used it on the public. He, he, he hasn't used it on the public, he, but he's used it on uh, Batman. He used it on Peacekeeper One. Peace. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I don't. Has he actually used it on Batman? I don't think he's actually used it on Batman yet because he's using um, uh, the Mad Hatter's tech on Batman. So he's he's using new tricks basically, which is really interesting. You know, putting up the. Uh, the scarecrows in in certain houses, like the uh, in Governor Nakano's house, and he's just he's just screwing with people little by little, while at the same time building up Simon Saint as this savior of Gotham, utilizing the fact that scarecrows scaring all these people, you know, saying that he has an association with the Unsanity Collective, who is you know, no way associated with him. While at the same time, the guy who is associated with him, Simon Saint, is made to be the hero who's going to 
to bring in the Scarecrow. Though he has no intentions of doing so. You know, we, we, see, we, we see a lot of reporters, which is another interesting part, you know, because they're bringing up the uh, fear-mongering in the media. Precisely. How, you know, they, mm. they you know, the media is utilized to, to scare us into, you know, thinking the direction they want us to think, basically. The uh, the breakdown of all the uh, television channels was uh, a la Spawn old school shit, where, like, we get interrupted by... The three different channels, CNR, uh, F Entertainment, and then, of course, the Rush Limbaugh guy. You know, the Scarecrow was believed dead following dangerous gas attack. Following the AD attack, it seems like it was just, just nothing but fear. Yep. You know, and then we see uh, we see Peacemaker, or Peacekeeper 1, and he'd been injected with uh, more fear talk. The one time he used the fear talk so far was on Peacekeeper 1. And he was injected with all ten syringes at once, and he is losing his mind right now. You know, he's talking about how the voices aren't real, and at the same time, it's like I need to save Gotham, and I'm going to save Gotham. But like at the same time, he's just out of, he's scared out of his mind, you know. And then we go to uh, Simon Saint and his assistant Ricardo. Who um, Simon Saint? He tested out Simon Saint, or Simon Saint tested out his technology in Ricardo, who has a metal arm, um, and he's freaking out because everything he has built up to this point is in utter chaos right now because Scarecrow turned his back on him and you know basically took Peacekeeper One off the board. And, you know, he's got to find him. He's got to fix this before if the media finds out that the guy he is using, the, the, the survivor of A-Day, the guy that saved other officers, is injected with this fear toxin and is losing his mind. Everything he's built, everything he spent the last six months building down the drain. Hmm. You know, and he's worried about Peacekeeper One losing it and freaking gunning down innocent bystanders. And he's trying to, he's going out of his way to make sure you know, that doesn't happen. You know, and he's like, we have to, we have to ensure the magistrate's survival at this point because, you know, it wasn't easy to convince Mayor Nakano that this was a good idea. And everything's, you know, everything's up in the air right now. You know, and nobody in freaking, you know, we turn around and we're at the GCPD headquarters and freaking, obviously, what, I can't remember her name right now for some reason. Freaking Montoya. 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 You know, Montoya's talking to oh, yeah. Mayor Nakano being like, hey, you know, what are, you know, let us, let us do our jobs. You know, this is, this is where we're at, you know. And Nakano's like, no, we're going to leave it to the magistrates. This is, you know. And she's just like, you know, throwing down her phone and kicking and swearing. And, you know, <laughs> and they, they've, uh, the magistrates also took out all the communications in Gotham. That was you the know, big so deal. Nobody gets, in, nobody gets information in or out of Gotham right now. And, you know, Renee Montoya, you know, being somebody that's, you know, been around the block and knows how to handle these situations, tells everybody to dig out all the old walkie talkies and ham radios. You know, if we're going to go back to, we're going back to day one, we're going back hard. 
but you know, that we're going to do what we need to do to save our city. That yeah. was the, that was something that really resonated with me. My dad, um, <clears throat> found out my dad works for space force and, um, you found out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's confidential brother. No, nah, he, 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 he didn't give a shit. Um, he asked me the other day, what, what what would I think the next war was? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, it's going to be in space. And I was Dude, like, there's a reason we need a freaking space force. People make fun of it. But... Now, no, they, the thing about the, why they don't understand, I'm getting somewhere with this, brother, uh, no, no, is yeah, that no, I, I um, there are no rules of engagement in space. Uh-huh. I'm, I have I I just I'm excited you're bringing this up because I do have one or two points I want to when you get to where you're going. There's there's most of our communications are based on satellites mm-hmm. as opposed to landlines now. Uh, our cell phones are on five G, which is basically like uh, a, 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 a stone wheel and a uh, you know a big lighter compared to what we can do in space, what we actually have in space. What do you think would happen? What do you think that the Russians or the Chinese would do to really hurt us and like shut all shut down all our communications? Exactly, it would be total chaos. Turn off, mm-hmm. turn off the internet. Turn off people's cell phones. You can't get to your money. Can't get to your money. You can't. You you can't. Uh, the 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 uh, uh, gas station pumps rely on uh, satellite. Well, not full on satellite communication, but like at least cell phone communication to. to Communicate that's how much gas you're buying, so you can't get gas. You can't buy mm-hmm. food. Uh, you can't communicate with your loved ones. Uh, but at the, even the, 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 the stupider points, you can't get your porn, can't order your drugs, can't, can't get a lot of things that are nurturing you. It's going to be total chaos. And the uh, magistrate just shut down everything. Everything. Um, including the bat family's communications. Yep. That, and that's why I brought that up. And it, 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 well, I'll talk to you later, Joshua. Have a good night. Good night. (laughs) All right. Thanks dad. I'll I'll sleep well tonight. (laughs) Dude. Yeah. I just finished reading uh, red storm rising by Tom Clancy. I listened to it on audible. It took weeks, if not months. It's a very, very thick book. Mm-hmm. And it taught me it's a it's a it's a fiction version of a conventional non-nuclear third world war taking place in like 1986 uh, between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And I was astonished what I learned about what our military capabilities were and what our weaknesses are in the midst of. Submarine warfare in the Atlantic, uh, strike jet fighter bomber capabilities coming out of the Soviets, uh, what our F-15s could do, F-15 strike eagles, which we've, you know, were already a legendary plane made famous, of course, by the Gulf War, the first Gulf War in 1991. But, and then like, what the whole business of cruise missiles. Like, what could that do to a carrier battle group? And then how do you defend against that? That I knew well enough. But uh, one, of the, one of the amazing aspects in the one, – one of the – there are a lot of protagonists in this book. But one of the ones 
that was super rad was if there was a a lady fighter F-15 fighter jet pilot, codenamed Buns, <laughs> and she was nice. ferrying F-15s from the U.S. to the uh, European theater. <clears throat> and uh, the opportunity to shoot down some uh, Soviet backfire bombers came up, and they did it. And so she got some kills, which made her the first lady combat fighter pilot, uh, which, you know, obviously we have them now. But um, then they asked her, like, will you be would you be the pilot that wants to take this experimental missile to the edge of space and knock down Soviet satellites? And, yeah, that's a thing. Like, we can fly fighter jets that high. And the missiles find the targets. The planes are ferrying weapons to their targets. And, like, launching that missile and taking out their roar sats so that they can see what we're doing and know where our carrier battle groups are, what kind of troop buildups we have in different places or tank formations and where where's this, where's that. Yeah, that was that was always part of the deal. We needed to know that we could do that. We've never legit shot a satellite down like that. But um, that's a huge deal, our, our ability to see anything. It's what doomsday preppers fear, the idea that a, just a solar flare could knock out our satellites and revert us back to the end of Fight Club. Like, it's the whole deal. Everything goes. And then you want to get into a war in space? Yeah, we could, act, we could absolutely do that. Your dad is not wrong. He is absolutely correct. Uh, and communications are what it's all about. Everything you're talking about comes down to communication. Everything's completely dependent on on satellites now. It's terrifying that we have taken and put all of our eggs in one basket, like collectively as a culture. I wouldn't say all in one basket, but all of our goodens are all in one basket, and the rules of engagement have not been like there's no been there has not been a Geneva Convention for what we can do in space. The <clears throat> Russians had a fucking hatchling doll uh satellite that opened up, another satellite came out, and another one opened up, and a smaller thing came out of that and fucking eradicated one of ours. <sighs> Sorry. What? Yeah. When did that happen? <laughs> Look it up. I don't know. <laughs> It's one of those things that just isn't hitting us because it's not whether Kim Kardashian's ass is going to save the world or uh, whether or not uh, there's a new... Oh, uh, you're talking... Uh, I'm talking about news. Uh, Materioshki. Materioshki. A nesting doll. I get what you're saying, yes. but I just... Yeah, I haven't heard anything yeah. about yeah, that, that actually. That, yeah, that, 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 that happened. Um, well... Petrifying. Thank you. Yes, we'll all sleep great. Everything... Yeah, I know, right? Everything just got knocked out in Gotham, uh, even the Bat family. And uh, Tony, like, help me understand what happened in, uh, with Oracle, because that one fucked me up. All right, so we got uh, everyone, now everyone's at the clock tower. You know, we got Nightwing, we got everyone's trying to communicate with each other. And freaking, you know, Nothing seems to work. You know, no member of the Bat family can reach anybody else. And Oracle's going to put out a signal. And it turns out that somebody has, somebody we don't know about has taken, uh, taken control of Oracle's online presence, basically. And is, um, telling falsehoods, basically. They're talking about how, you know, Batman's dead and, 
we got Batman's dead. Um, his little, you know, and everyone, they're going to come after the rest of the Bat family. You guys need to stay indoors. Don't trust, the, don't trust the magistrates. Don't trust the government. Don't trust anyone or anything with a bat on its chest. Plan. You know, only trust yourself and the people you love. Because I'm horrible, you know, damn it. <laughs> yeah, hunker down, hunker down and wait for, and get ready for war. You know, this is Oracle speaking, Gotham City. I will only tell you the real truth, the one they don't want you to know. Which is always, you know, it's always, you know, people are gonna, a certain, certain section of the, of the world is always gonna freaking hung wait for those words, you know, I'm gonna tell you the real truth. Not the truth that, that they want you to know, whoever they would happen to be in any given situation. You know, sense. I think that, that, yeah. that is brilliant. Whoever, you know, we haven't, we haven't figured out if this is part of, uh, Simon Saint's plan as of yet, or is this a, a third party it's not involved with anybody as of yet? It's Riddler. Maybe it is. Maybe I, it isn't. I, I I think it's Riddler because I think after how built how badass they built a lot of the Joker stories after mm-hmm. what, what it was like what after issue fifty when Riddler took over with those giant plants uh, in Gotham, remember? No, I think something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they made Riddler a fucking badass, and then they brought him down to a little pussy bitch uh, within the past year in a few different stories. Uh, I, I was rereading these, and I'm thinking that there's a lot of riddles hidden here. They're just not as blatant. The colors of anyone that can take over technology the way mm-hmm. anyone else could to do what they're doing to the Bat family, it would be Riddler. That's, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. And like I said, it's, this is a, an interesting character, so we'll see if this is going to be somebody we um, if somebody we know, somebody you're not, if it's a member of the Magistrate, freaking, if it's Harley Quinn the whole time, who knows? I sure as so hope not fucking Harley Quinn don't do that. Yeah, they, they got to throw in there somewhere, man. They got to throw in there somewhere. More... Well, they've been doing really well with uh, Harley. Well, uh, before we get to Harley, that's a before we get to Harley. Actually, is that is that next after this? After yeah, that's actually next here. That uh, hey, yeah. a bit of brother eye. Got the girl. Yeah, down, it is Harley. Deep down under Gotham, they find out that uh, there's a poison ivy has been split, whether in half or a large part of humanity has been removed from her physical essence. And the overwhelming need to be uh, not an ecological terrorist, but to serve all of the plants, fauna, flora, is is taking over. And right now Catwoman has rescued the piece of poison ivy that is missing. And we we see that later because that's going on in the pages of Catwoman right now. And okay. Harley knows that, you know, there's something wrong. He, she's been warned. And he's like, no, I, I can get to her. I can get to her. And, well, here's the deal. Uh, this broken part, uh, <laughs> broken delete, um, the broken part of, uh, I couldn't help it. Sorry, don't, don't, don't judge me about that. Um, broken part of Harley, of, of Poison Ivy has dug the roots of all the plants and all of the trees surrounding Gotham into the bedrock. She gets pissed, it's over. And 
we're taking what's what's the group that they're looking to protect the name the uh, the unsanity collective unsanity collective like we, we they need to be hidden because they're the they're the patsies uh, of, uh, after everything that just happened uh, with peacemaker uh, was the fact not peacemaker uh, peacekeeper um, yeah peacekeeper one they blew up the bu- they blew up the building and blamed it on the insanity collective yeah they're they're the patsies they need to be ha- hidden because these guys are taking care of orphans these guys are the actual good guys they're, they're kind of like robin hood but more more uh more kind of ragabond uh punk rock style and we, it gets revealed yeah uh there is a broken piece of po- uh, poison ivy but harley does get to her selena is got everything she can to help her and the what's the what's the part of Gotham that they're they're coming for? Ah, um, uh, what's it's not the Narrows. I want to say it's uh, Alleytown, maybe. Bum, Alleytown is spawn. Bumtown is also spawn. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's Alleytown. Um, <laughs> yep, it, it's Alleytown. Alleytown. That's awesome. Hey, that's Catwoman's part of town. Yeah. Yep, Alleytown. <laughs> Alleytown, but they're. they're they're going to make an example of what the magistrate has like, okay, like they shut down communications. They're broadcasting on a line that only they can broadcast. Like, Hey, don't worry. We've got this under control. In fact, the worst part of Gotham Alleytown right now, we're about to go make peace there. It's going to be awesome. Don't worry about it. Like everything's going to be great. Uh, we've got uh, second son, Batman, uh, just staring at his costume in, in, in his closet Ready, to, ready to take on the mantle. We've got Batman fighting through whatever it is that uh, Scarecrow's putting him, jumping out a goddamn window. So we've got the Patsies. We've got the breakdown of communication. We've got the months of preparation that Magistrate and Scarecrow have been preparing for. They've even planted like effigies of Scarecrow. In really prominent places around Gotham to, like, you know, like, he's watching. Like, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Batman's like, I'm crazy, gotta get the hell out of here, jumps out of the goddamn window. <laughs> like, it's, it's, what? yeah, it's, it's, it, it boils down to that. It, everything is coming to the quintessential head before, like, I, I want to say this, I want to say this night is the, uh, like the beginning of World War One, you know, one guy and his wife get assassinated. Oh yeah, all right, and it all goes crazy. And it all goes crazy. And there's was, a lot of good setup here. This is a better setup for so many different angles going on to build up to like what I would call a summer event than virtually anything I've ever seen before. This is a because Halloween they've event. been. This <laughs> yeah. is yeah, that's awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Like if you're telling me that business, it's going on. In with Poison Ivy, and you're telling me all this stuff that they've been pushing for a long, long time. I, I dig it, man. This is this is a great setup. When you're talking about that long burn, and you know I'm down for that. Of course. So like, that's that's great stuff. The, the, the question I wanted to pose to you, after everything mm-hmm. you've heard so far, and uh, I, I know you're not reading like we all have our own um, niches. But we've all read we all read good Batman. There's no getting around it. Like like yeah, everybody can read a good Batman. I would start reading this based off of this concept, and that but like because you know there's Batman that I've definitely read that I adore. Mm-hmm. But I'll get this all in trade so I can like really feel it over you, the time. Yeah, you, you have to like the this has been one of the few times in being one of those asshole single collectors that like completely strays away yeah. from graphic novels. 
This has been something that's been a, a serious stick in my ass for a while, and, and like not a good one either. Uh, I, I didn't ask for that to be put there, <coughs> but the way it keeps going is that the slow burn has been months and months and months, and now <coughs> with Fear State Alpha, this is the first time I've read a like because you know how many alphas we've had, you know X Men Alpha, X Men Omega, you know there's always an alpha. <coughs> Excuse me. They want you to know where to start. That even if you hadn't been like reading everything that we've been building up to, this is such a great kickoff cue. So, minefielders, if uh, you've been like trying to push comments on someone for a while, um, trying to at least get them to check out one single issue without them being lost, everything is recapped in here. Not in that like read the first page and it gives you a quick recap or or there. They even went so far as to make sure that the people, and I, I noticed this, the people that wouldn't have been reading anything we've been reading up to so far would read this one issue and be like, what the fuck is this? This is awesome. And, and, That's and, good, because I'm, I'm tired of not knowing what the crap is going on. Correct, and without, and the other thing I think is is, is the, the trump card in this one is the fact that whether or not you've been reading everything up to Fear State Alpha, you're not going to leave or, or get three or four pages into this book Thinking like, oh shit, I gotta like get caught up on this and this, and it becomes a chore, and then um, it, it makes you feel left out. Like immediately, you're cool, we're cool, this story's awesome. Just fucking read, and then within page three, you're 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 in the shit. You're in the shit, and you're you're ready to just believe anything you want because this Tinian, uh, God, I really, I'm I'm still bummed out he's leaving, but I I, I really wish him the best for his future endeavors, but this is a, an excellent kickoff point for any minefields out there that want to get people to, uh, to listen to read anything. I know all y'all are starting to get girlfriends cause being fucking nerdy is <laughs> something to be cool now. Uh, but if y'all's girl hasn't been reading Batman or says her, she read a couple books from her older brother, uh, just give her this one. And if she cares, she's going to be like, we got to get all these. And that's going to be, I would love to hear any of that from y'all. If you did that and your girlfriend would be like, we need to buy every single, buy every single, like, printed out the checklist. We need to see goddamn one of these motherfuckers. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> but that's. Yeah, no, it's, just, it's solid, man. Freaking, you know, you get that little three page spread, or probably a couple more than three pages, but you get the one with the, between Crane and Simon Saint, kind of explaining the whole process. Mm hmm. And then, you, and then same thing, you know, you see that, and then all of a sudden, bam, you jump right into the, into the, into the shit. Freaking people, all of a sudden, bam, there's, you know, you know, Batman's losing his mind, and Scarecrow's, you know, in control, and he's already turned on Simon Saint, and Peacekeeper One's in here losing his mind, and the Insanity Collective's being hunted, and Poison Ivy's in two different, two different pieces right now, and, oh crap, they're gonna destroy Alley Town, so Catwoman's screwed. You know, and it's like, we need Clown Hunter to come in and save the day. Just hit everyone in the head with a baseball bat with a bat ring in it. Why not? What is bat bat? His bat bat. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, I, I, I chuckled at that one. Like, that one got me. <laughs> like, of, of all little puns. If you were 15 years old with a bat ring inside a baseball bat, what would you call it? Uh, I would call it a bat bat and then went to my local uh, county fair and bought a battering and nailed it into a goddamn uh, baseball bat <laughs> and got in a yeah. lot of trouble. <laughs> mm. 
That's what you do when you're 15. Yeah. You make bad bets. Bad bets. I, I, <laughs> I say we hold off on Batman 112 because there's a few other ones that came out this week that I read that I think we need to tie into. Unless you read any of the other ones. What constitutes the other ones? No, let me get to the checklist. Let me only my, only mine. <laughs> if you want to call it a Batman story. Hopefully, my girlfriend uh, sent me. I don't have a girlfriend. Hopefully, <laughs> sent me the checklist that she printed out. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more. I say we hold off on one because there's especially. Flip it through this man. It's just like uh, clown hunter. No. <laughs> Why? Um, that's up to you, man. What do you want to do? I don't even know what other ones we're talking about, so I have no idea. Then you didn't finish Batman 112. I read Batman 112 all the way through. I read the Clown Hunter story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got this uh, whistle story coming up. Just a girl and her dog. Can they save the city? Whistle. A new Gotham City hero. Uh, it, looks, it looks whack as hell. It looks like the squirrel girl of... Uh, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> now the squirrel girl of Batman is spoiler. Hey, that's not cool. <laughs> that's my girl. I'm just saying. Right I'm just saying. What does spoiler do? She shows up when someone needs to distract uh, old uh, Damien Wayne. Uh, and she didn't get the job done then either. Yeah, she she totally like stubbed her foot and was like, "Oh, guys, you guys go ahead. Not happening." Yeah. All right, well, give us Batman 112 then. Let's do it. You said you just said not to. All right, then we're holding off on it then. <laughs> Colin, what do you got? Colin. I'm going to continue with Batman, <laughs> not 112, though. Uh, I picked up randomly because I just thought, you know, I skipped out on the Jarvis stuff and whatever, you know, the the business of the business of these Butler characters being spies and you know, jungle heroes and secret agents. I'm like, okay, you know, I, it's, it's a cute idea. So I picked up Pennyworth, number uh, one. It's one of seven. It even presents that on the cover, bless them. Uh, and it is, it, it does have a Batman logo on it so that you're not lost on the concept. Um, I totally, uh, yeah, right. I totally uh, saw this and knew what it was immediately and, it took like I read it before I looked at the cover again and realized there was a big hammer and sickle on it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, well they're talking about the Soviets through the whole book. This is kind of rad." So, um, because clearly I'm into Cold War t- st- stories and stuff like that, but I mean, basically this is young Alfred Pennyworth, Butler to Batman, young in MI5, the international. Um, uh, the CIA of the United Kingdom. And uh, we've got flashbacks. It's kind of crazy because he starts out as a young man dealing with things and then flashing back to being a child in in a, what was it, a diplomat's home? I missed that part because they don't even make that big of a deal out of it. Uh, but then they flash way forward to where he's an old man, and he's he's tied to a chair. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's trying to figure out, like, well, how do I get out of this, which he's totally got a handle on everything. The thing that comes across in this book is that Alfred always has a handle on absolutely everything. A young man, as a child, as an old man, 
every different way. So, like I say, it, it's it's a little, I'm going to say it's a little disjointed like that. Like there's too much content in there. And so, like, as a child, he was living with his father. His father was the butler to a important dignitary of sorts in Great Britain. And he became a very worldly person because there were always people from other uh, nations of the Commonwealth of Great Britain um, in the home. And he had a, uh, a very good friendship with the, the uh, dignitary's daughter. And years later, when they were young 20-somethings and they had been through training and whatnot, uh, they inexplicably, well, inexplicably, they they found that they were both agents. And uh, they... So they hadn't trained together at all? They hadn't trained together at all, no. They just, like, they got paired up on certain missions. And then when they didn't, when they weren't on missions, they didn't really see one another, but they were very good friends. And they're like they flirt with one another and they have apparently like hooked up a bunch of times and, but they're both so young. They don't really know like, Oh yeah, no, we're, we love one another and we're going to get together or any of that stuff. It's just kind of like, no, this is what we're doing. We're duty driven. We're, we're bound by the work. That's what we've got going on. But like, it's interesting because when you can tell that older version of Alfred is reminiscing on her He's thinking about like what he's lost by not being with her, or we don't know what the heck happened. Is she going to get killed at the end of this seven issue cycle or whatever? Who knows? Or is she going to go on to be the greatest villain and he doesn't have to gun her down? Who the hell? You know, these things go that way. But um, the crazy thing, too, is at the beginning of the book, he keeps talking. He, he once or twice in here talks about, oh, it took six months for us to develop our covers. Six months for us to develop these things, to be able to get this guy's confidence, to be able to do this thing. And he, and, but we don't see any of that six months. <coughs> Excuse me. And he keeps talking about – let me find the guy's name again. He keeps talking about his friend Dave Boyd. And, uh, and then older version of Alfred, who's tied to a chair, starts to reveal that Every single day without fail, no matter what's been going on, whether there was an earthquake in Gotham or supervillains to deal with or massive power outage, and they kept up with the technology, they have always, always checked in with one another, him and this guy, to say, you know, I'm okay. And, and it's a blank message. You would phone him up, and you would he would pick up the phone, hello, and then he'd just leave it blank and hang up the phone. Or he would get an email that had nothing in it or a text message with nothing in it, and they both knew the other guy's all right. So that's the funny thing. He's He can handle absolutely everything with total confidence because he knows if he doesn't check in once a day that this guy's going to come and rescue him. So that's happening by the end of the book, and I'm like – well, what's the book about, dude? Is it about the girl or is it about his relationship with this dude that's his best friend that I've never heard of, you know, in any Batman stories, let alone the girl? Either way, I, you know, hey, this is issue number one of seven, and there's no reason why they're not going to explore that. I just hope that it isn't like, like I say a minute ago, these totally obvious things where in the end it's like, oh, yeah, she's the reason for all these situations and she's got you trapped and 
blah, 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 or this is all a put on and he's here to mess with that whole thing and get your Batman secrets from you. Who the heck knows? I don't know where it's going to go, but it was cute. It's fun. It's interesting. The only thing that I really didn't appreciate about it was you get into this business where there is some kind of Soviet super soldier program going on. And it seems, and, and it's it's this character who's like forming out of weapons out of his own skin that can fire psychic projectiles. And I'm like, well, you lost me. Because this was a kick-ass spy story until you got into like crazy super science. And I'm like, can we, can it just be, can it just be Alfred doing badass stuff in the real world? It doesn't have to de- develop into some like, craziness but you know i guess not so i was always thinking you'd be like kg beast was coming or something along those lines ah kg beast or the nkv demon i like those guys Uh, i've looked for those characters to read about over the years and uh unfortunately i don't feel like they had enough appearances uh in the older back issues when i'd go on a go on a dive but Mm -hmm. um yeah, you know, whatever. So yeah, I don't know. You know, if I it, 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 this will be a good trade because you'll get, like when you get the collected edition, I'm sure it'll be like, okay, cool, I can just eat this whole thing right now. But like piecemeal, it's a little disjointed because it's like, okay, well, we've been talking about this girl through the whole book, and now you're telling me that this dude from page one is going to come and rescue you. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Then let's see how that goes. So ah. Just pacing issues, but otherwise cool. Awesome. Yeah. Lots of advertisements for Batman-related comics, though. Too many Batmans? Too many Has there ever really too many Batman? Batman? No, we discussed that already. There's, yeah, we're, we're, not do, we're not going down that rabbit hole again. It's just, it, it, I was thinking about that when we were talking about it. It's just, find your Batman, it's out there. Find your Batman. There's a Batman for everybody. Six issue stories. Fuck it. You'll find it. I'm calling dibs on White Knight. Uh, I'm calling dibs on Last Night on Earth. Uh, but, Batman. What's what's my Batman? Bruce Wayne fugitive. I'm calling Batman you on. I'm calling murderer. you on Elseworlds because you're the fucking intellectual here. You're gonna get challenged and I do like Elseworlds. I do like Elseworlds. Uh, you really got to you got to pick one in particular. Shoot, <laughs> one particular Batman, uh, Michael Keaton. There's a, there's a million. Yeah. Now, Mr. Chilly Morales, what you just talked about, if you make the mistake of buying the McFarlane one McFarlane figure because you think it's cool, because the Batman one for White Knight is fucking rad. <laughs> The the bat cycle McFarlane made is exclusive. That's White Knight. Nice. You're gonna have to get Napier. You're gonna have to get three Azrael's, and then I'm gonna be laughing at your ass when we walk into a fucking Target, and you're like, "Oh shit, fuck, I'm fucked," and I'm like, "Ah!" <laughs> How the tables have turned, sir. The tables have turned. I've resisted one time, Colin. We walked in. We walked into. Uh, into Target. Target, and I resisted on a Dr. Fate helmet Wonder Woman. A Dr. Fate helmet Wonder Woman. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm glad I didn't get it because the helmet... It took all his will. Oh, dude. And he's, 
He's regretted it every day he, since. He taunted me till we were pulling out of the parking lot. Oh, I taunted you way longer. <laughs> Probably into the week. Pretty much. It happens. Um, yeah, asshole. I think this is the same day he accused Rob Ryzen of being a badass. That was the same day where I accused Rob Ryzen where I was like, uh, it was cool to see him today. I'll give him a hug. He's like, oh, Joshua. I was like, hey, you bar brawling badass. He's like, where'd that come from, dude? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. But Tony, Tony lasts onto it, and you're going to be that for the rest of your life. Yep. I, I told him. I told. I told him the real story. <laughs> Sheesh. But yeah, I know. He, he and he has regretted it every day ever since. Not really, because it just came out to a good story, and uh, I came out on top, as opposed to Mister Rob Rising. Probably got his ass beat a couple times in a bar. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I am currently working on the uh the the Suicide Squad pops. I've got three so far of I think nine. So Well And funny enough, they still have not done an Amanda Waller yet. If they do that, I'm doomed. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I've got uh I've got Blood Sports um, the Walmart exclusive Captain Boomerang, and I just picked up Rick Flag the other day. Ooh. I so I got they, about six more I gotta find. I love how they brought back uh, uh, Flag from the uh, original uh, Suicide Squad. I was just sad to see him die. Poor Spoilers! Oh, yeah. Uh, Spoilers. He, he doesn't actually <laughs> yeah. die, he just gets mortally wounded, and you're gonna get sad. By the way, my coughs are Joshua is the world's worst about spoilers, in case you all didn't know that. Actually, I held off uh, when it came to Suicide Squad. Um, it Good, was like, that's one time. What was it, like 12.30 at night? I'm texting you. Uh, I was ready to fight you, yeah. Oh, that was, it was earlier, because I was at work. What did I send and you? I sent you said something. something you were, something about, I want to say something about Boomerang, maybe, or something like that. You were ready to whoop my ass. You're like, oh, wait, spoilers. Oh, never mind. You, you, never mind. <laughs> like, all right, guess I <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's happened two or three times where I'm just like, I read, like, the first half of it, something you text me, and I'm just like, I'm going to whoop this motherfucker's ass. And then I actually <laughs> look into it, and I'm like, oh, well, okay, then. Never mind. Anger is subsided. <laughs> Urge to kill. Decreasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, the last one was over the uh, the Jericho thing, and you're all like, I know why you're not coming over to watch the pay-per-view. And I was like, oh, this guy's going to say something stupid. <laughs> I open it up, and he's like, you don't want to see me cry when Jericho loses. I was like, okay. You promised you wouldn't tell anyone I said that. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> I told you I was going to be so upset when that happened. Incompetence. Incompetence. My bad. That's all right. It's only us, and our, it's only us calling in our millions of viewers. We got a lot. Of, we actually get uh, uh, Justin uh, combined off of all of the uh, different streams that we got. Justin got 10k in three days. Nice. Justin got 10k. People love them. People love them. Some Justin. Justin Taylor's man. Justin Taylor played ball. He like. I don't know if he was just fluffing me, but, like, he used all my photos as uh, profile photos. I sent him the uh, 
preliminaries. I said, don't use these yet. He didn't use it. And so I said, now you can do it now that all the watermarks are on it and the other photos that I'd used are out because I didn't want just his out and then everyone to get shitty about it. And, um, no, uh, yeah, 10 K and we're on a shitload of stuff. Um, nice. Justin, um, the Abaddon one still gets like probably like 600 views a, like, a week it's just <clears throat> constant and like that that interview was barely 45 minutes and she was how's she doing uh i talked to her she was on the paper yeah. yeah she was on the paper i talked to her like two weeks ago um mm-hmm. just briefly online i always send her funny memes and we just laughing but uh wanted to send her like hey you stole my haircut but uh i'm just happy that <laughs> she went out there man um we've got a lot of stuff to do um getting distracted in terms of like I was thinking about everything yeah. we got to do for for lighting everything we got to do for uh, new era yeah that that shows uh not sold out we still got some tickets left over um yep Jason freaking Street. uh yep we got uh tickets officially go on sale online sunday at 2 p.m. i believe all right cool standing room so com or I'll have the uh, I'll have the website I'll cherry up by then. Not with all the pictures, but just with links and a couple links in the, the flyer. Sweet. Uh, finding all the templates and stuff has been. Uh, I was gonna spend the weekend on New Era, but then I I, I needed to disconnect because I realized that this weekend is probably the this weekend is probably because I found an, I found actually I found an apartment. Um, the uh, this weekend is probably the only weekend I'm gonna have off for the next like nine months. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. And I, I won it that way, but we got comics to go over. I'm just I'm just happy to see you guys. I, I just sent a – I took a screenshot and posted it on uh, Instagram of what it looks like for uh, minefields to get together, and I'm, I'm definitely blinking. You guys look all pretty. <laughs> he's, he's blushing. <clears throat> Morales doesn't blush. He watches – He glows. He's got he's got live laugh love behind him. He definitely has live laugh love behind him, man. He's a full on Karen. <laughs> All right, what's next? What do we? What my man, my Mickey Mouse shirt. I am gonna I'm gonna pull out the beauty on you guys because this this comic book came to a screeching halt mm-hmm. at COVID. Um, issue twenty nine. This was issue number n- number thirty. Let me pull this up. All good things. Han and Hurley Smith. We find all of, like, everything really came to a a head. Like, we had some definitive story endings in 29. The thing was, is that, remember how I always bitch about how, like, we get, like, what, three years of X-Men fighting, and then we get, like, one half of an issue where everything's okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of the antithesis to this. So uh, all of our main characters that had the beauty, the beauty has been eradicated. The, the, the beauty is a uh, sexually transmitted disease that will make you the most beautiful that you can possibly be. Uh, you can be, there was one issue where like a, like a 400 pound, like hardcore gangbanger guy, like needed to get back at some people. He found a prostitute that had the beauty Committed a shitload of crimes, stole a lot of drugs and a lot of money, and then when he he went and hooked up with a chick that gave him the beauty, which wasn't a sexually transmitted disease, and it like within the night, 
all his fat was like burned into the uh, into the uh, mattress, and he was gorgeous and got away with it. And we right. find all good things is two of our main characters that are like they break into. It's basically the ending of uh, Vice City or Scarface. They break in, they kill the guy that's been fucking with them for so long, bullet in the head, and they stay at a resort that they're invited to stay at forever as long as they want. And all they do is hook up with whoever they want to and drink all day long and sit at the beach and watch TV and like it's it's completely un unadulterated the not full on debauchery they're not having like huge orgies or something stupid like that but they're best friends and they're just doing whatever they want to do and chilling and when they the day they decide like you know maybe there's more to this and the second they decide to leave they get assaulted uh, by some guerrilla warfarers that execute them. That was huh, it. Right. it. It was unceremonious. They, like, they were at a bar. Boom, 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 boom. Shot. Boom, 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 boom. Dead. Maybe I'm thinking we should stay here. Yeah, me too. They look at each other. Dead. The two detectives, both infected with the beauty. They are investigating one last crime. They didn't realize it was one last crime here. And... We have uh, a dead man, a dead older man that is probably almost 180 years old. He's perfectly in state, laying on his recliner. And, uh, wait, hold, hold on here, hold on. Uh, who took the bag off his head? His wife did. Why? Because she wanted him to look good when he got here. What the fuck does that supposed to mean? You guys didn't touch anything, did you? No, no, we didn't touch anything. The wife already confessed. She's sitting in the dining room, waiting for you. We've got a gorgeous 125-year-old woman. Yeah, she's got, like, kind of old woman, like, wispy white hair, you know, kind of curled to the side. But she doesn't yeah. look that old. And she's like, well, we met, we met in college. We fell in love. I was a writer. He was a lawyer. We paid the bills. I was wild. We fucked like crazy. Everything was great. Um... Not saying that to be lurid. That's just how it was presented. Um, his practice was getting in the way of everything and just being together. And he quit, and we started riding together. And then he got old, and we both got old, and he started forgetting things. And I found out about the beauty, and she stole some blood from a beauty, and injected him with it. But it didn't make him right. Yeah, it made him young. It made her young. But his mind was still. Not there. Mm. His dementia, oh, wow. his dementia had gone that far. So she had tried to recapture something that she couldn't recapture, and she says, "I wanted to fix him. I hoped beyond hope that this this thing would <coughs> would do that could do that. Some things can't be fixed, no matter how beautiful they seem. He didn't want to live the way that way, trapped. I couldn't watch him suffer." And both of the detectives that are hearing her confess are both individually beauties themselves that have ha- that have the vi- have the virus. They can't communicate anymore. But um, I'm sorry, I-, I gotta leave for a minute. Dude storms out. Like it's kind of a Mulder Scully type situation, but not mm-hmm. so much like that. You know, I just I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I just want me and my wife to go out. We want to sail. And she says, "Fuck." Right, go do it. And then he he says, I'll see you tomorrow. And then it ends with 
a the person that's been narrating the entire story, you see them doing stuff like flipping a light off or washing some dishes, but their hands are completely desiccated. And it is the female detective that just said goodbye to her partner many years in the future. And she looks into a mirror and her her, her body is cracking. She's bald, no hair. It, it's it's like uh like you know when you see those like photos of like really bad desiccated areas of the desert where the ground is cracked. Oh yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That's what her face looks like. And she's still a detective. And she just looks in the mirror and says, Fuck yeah. And it says it just ends in all good things and, and uh Jeremy Hahn and uh Jason Hurley end it, you know, come to an end. You know, so so that's part of it, but there's more. That that's not what the whole point of the story was. The point of the story was a quick fix. What happens with quick fixes? They don't work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They don't work. We have this fantastical story where there is a uh, a drug, not a drug, an STD that will cure you of any disease you have. And then throughout the story, things keep going awry. People, beauties are spontaneously <laughs> combusting. We have serial killers after after the beauties. And then a cure comes, and then what's going to happen next? And it was a 30-issue story, and they wrap it up. And I think it's one of those things, like, when you read, like, Scary Stories in the Dark, where, yeah, those were pretty scary and those were pretty cool. But when you get to the annotation and the notes and the uh, the bibliography, like, all their uh, references, that's when you get <coughs> the good shit. And this is the good mm-hmm. shit right here and in one whole page. They just wanted to do it quick, fast, furious, and told the story and, you know, they, they did get in, like, you know, COVID through a, a monkey wrench. But that's it. 30 issues, the beauty. Well, maybe it's not it at all. But after all, all good things never really end. So they throw that little monkey wrench here. It was such a good ending to a story. I, I was waiting for, like, 50 more issues. I've told Morales, every time we go to a comic store, I'm looking for more issues of the beauty. Um, there's a couple of them uh, I'm missing. And now it's over. And I thought I'd be really sad. But I'm really excited that it ended that way. It was it was right terms, right way, and God bless them. And I, I want to see more of it because like, it was true art. Everything they did, there there was three different, maybe four different types of artwork in in this particular story. Even though there was only two two stories going on, really really pumped me up. I appreciate you guys listening to me on that one because I get really like choked up about shit that like involves that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't. I, I fear that you guys are going to think that I am going to detract from what's good, what's bad, and be focusing on my particular favorites because of whatever I am. But the beauty was wonderful, and I really hope people enjoy it. And I really hope that an omnibus comes out on Kickstarter, and they have all these prints, and because all the the covers were just works of art. Not that the insights weren't, but they, they really, one of, it's one of those, like, you know, back in the day, Vertigo, all the covers were, like, ten times better than the one was inside. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I got on that, guys. I, I appreciate you listening to me on that one. Yeah, right on. Okay. It's, a. Uh, it's the beauty. It makes me think of a, did you guys ever watch Amazing Stories? I did. On ABC when we were kids? I, I think there was a story from that that was, like, it wasn't an uh, STD. That was kind of that's kind of awesome. They went that way with it because it makes it grittier. But like, 
I remember a story from from them when I was a kid watching that show where there was this particular water that would be delivered to somebody and it would take like 10 or something years off of you. And, and uh, this newscaster character, a TV anchor was obsessing over it because she was just, she was upset that she was 40 and she didn't look as good. And, uh, but when you stopped taking it, it, it aged you like 20 or 30 years more than you were. So you were addicted to this thing. It was a it was a good episode. The last comic I want to focus on real quick, and I, I know I preach about Spawn all the time, but I'm not talking to you guys right now. What I'm talking about is mm. old school Spawn people. King Spawn came out, number one. Spawn number three twenty one came out. It's good again. It's better than it was before Mamon showed up. It's better than it was before Spawn cut off Malbolge's head and before Angela died, before all that controversy happened. It's better than before Sigor. It's better than it was when Greg Capullo took over and he was doing issues with Grant Morrison for two old issues. It's better than when Spawn got dropped in his head back in uh, in the South. It's better when he helped Eddie and his brother. It's better than when he got his new face. Uh... I don't want to ruin this one for y'all because I read King Spawn <laughs> and I, I know y'all, I know y'all pay attention and we, we always talk about stuff together and you guys, we all respect our opinions, but I'm not talking to you guys right now. I'm talking to the old school Spawn fans. It's better than when Spawn got dropped in his head in the dirty South. It's better, <laughs> the dirty stuff. It's better than when Kincaid got strung up. I remember hesitant, because remember at last issue, I was like, oh, I want to talk about King Spawn, but, uh, King Spawn, but I, I need to digest it. That's, I got my uh, early bonus today, and uh, all I could think was, and I resisted, well, you should go to your uh, Toys page.com and buy that $300 fucking load you got. <laughs> I resisted. I don't know how long I can do that for. <laughs> But uh, it was better than that. And guys, I really hope you're paying attention because it it happens with Spawn. It's happened a few times with me when it comes to something that you're nostalgic for and you don't want to let go. And even when it's bad or incomprehensible when Spawn is trying to save Cyan, grown-up Cyan in Japan, and like, what the fuck's going on here? And you get to like, like, the same thing like when you got to like watch Prometheus after you watched it three times read the Wikipedia page, and then have the movie on with a movie with a 10-second delay and the Wikipedia page on uh, to understand what's going on. That's what Spawn felt like for a really long time until King Spawn and New Issue Spawn. And I'm really excited mm. for it. I'm mm. super excited for it. I'm sorry. To, I'm not trying to be mysterious or discredit you guys. I just... No, of course not, it, man. I feel the same way. There's always something out there like I want it to come back and be that badass, and sometimes it sucks. Like, unfortunately, I think most of the stuff that I like, when it stops, it just stops. Like, we're not going to get any more of that, like, golden age of Battlestar Galactica or more Quantum Leap the way it was or right. something like that, you know? And like, But comics, they're never going to, you know, you, you, they don't stop printing them. So they can be not so good for a long time. I yeah. felt discredited AF. Yeah, well. You felt what? He's, discredited he's, AF. He's a little upset. 
Well, I keep telling you, Tony. Persnickety, if you will. If you learned how to read, uh, we would we wouldn't be having this conversation. The entire basis of this thing is all based on the fact that I can read. Yeah, there's pretty pictures. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. You're the one that likes the art. Every time I try to roast him, I fail. I'm in it for the story. Every time I try to roast him, I fail. <laughs> oh, that was you bad. Got, you got, you, yeah, you're, you're roasting it makes sense. very low temperature. Low temperature? Oh, yeah. No fuego for you. Well, yeah, no one is up to this weekend. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more I didn't tell y'all. <laughs> anyway. All right. What's next? What's next? He's, he's, he's looking for more aliens. Oh, oh aliens. by the way, Kirk, uh, who does our stop motion animation, got a shitload of new aliens today. Show, showed me a ton of new photos. We're going to get a bunch of new animatics, man. Nice. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk's the dude that, like, set us up with, like, the alien, like, ripping off his everything great. I love it. Sweet. Yeah, what's next? What's next, guys? Who, who's got the next, uh... Let me go into do some, uh... I'm, nope, I'm doing it. I'm gonna do... Fuck, you sit still. I'm gonna <laughs> do this Darkhawk book real fast. We all... <laughs> we all talked about Darkhawk a while back when there was that kind of one shot, and, uh... Honestly, I don't know what they were trying to get out of it. Like, this is the 30th anniversary of a character that no one has ever been able to figure out what to do with. So they're like, okay, let's try again. Let's try again. Let's just try again. Let's just keep trying to do something with Darkhawk. And it's like, I don't think it's ever going to be better than the first maybe 25 issues of the original book. Because no one, like... The power set doesn't make sense to people, and then they break it out into the concept of a space thing, and, you know, is it null space? Where the hell does this thing come from? They just, nobody, nobody's done the right thing with this. And even now, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to get out of this. So I pick this book up, and I start reading, and it is about a teenager who is not Chris Powell. Uh, and... It is a kid who seems to have everything going for him. Some kid named Connor who is uh, just crushing it in high school as a basketball player. But he has these weird spells. And uh, he, like, everything stops for him and then his body seizes up. And and, uh, this happens after a ball game. He's okay, but, like, his best friend and him, they're walking home, and they run into a guy that used to be a big-time football player at their school. Um, And they're constantly referencing, like, oh, my God, yeah, scholarships to Empire State University. Of course, that's where Peter Parker, Spider-Man went to school, and Gwen Stacy and everybody else in the Spider-Man books in the 60s. Um, He gets home to his dad. I don't see a mom here, uh, and they're very pan-ethnically ambiguous. I can't tell what we're looking at here as far as people. But, um, the, you know, like, the kid is way overbuilt. He's There's a whole lot of shirtless stuff going on and a whole lot of athletic stuff and locker room scenes, and I'm like, this kid is drawn way overbuilt. I don't know any teenagers that look this built. But... Uh, the situation is a little bit whacked. He goes for a jog, and he falls completely over on his face. And he cracks his eye, and he has to wear this bandage that covers him. He gets an MRI. Our protagonist has multiple sclerosis. Of course he does. 
So, uh, you know, they're seeing the stress. You know, we're not going to – you're going to, you're not going to be able to play basketball anymore. You're not going to get that scholarship. What's going to happen? And at, over the next few days or next week or so, he's healing and then he freaks out at a basketball game. He's benched. He can't play. He's hearing the whispers of all of his classmates and he runs out of there. And then inexplicably, barely visible at the top of the next page is a shot from outer space of Earth, and there's this thing spiraling towards Earth. Uh, Kid is out, like, taking a video of himself because he does kind of like a video diary occasionally, and there's an explosion. He goes over and checks it out. He has this compulsion to help some dock workers who are caught in the explosion, and he falls over. His body gives out on him, but there is a gem, an amulet, kind of like the one that Darkhawk found way back in, like, 1993 or whatever. And when he grabs it, he turns into a Darkhawk. And he instantly is capable of all of this extra stuff. Like, he's got wings, and he knows how to use them, and he's got this. It's like he instantly knows how to use all of this power set. came out of nowhere. And then uh, as soon as he saves these guys, there's another explosion. So he goes to investigate it. And it's these these guys, these future tech dudes that have been apparently messing around with the neighborhood. And he goes and he fights them all and uh, whatever. And it's like we get into that last page and there's a guy playing pool who's yelling at the future tech dudes who are all a little bit like hero worshiping on Darkhawk because they're like, oh, my God, it was Darkhawk. And um, the dude from the guy, the kid who like what used to be the football linebacker is running this gang of future tech baddies. And uh, one of them pulls off his mask and it turns out to be Connor's best friend. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a little disjointed. Uh, That was a little disjointed. I mean, it was just like, okay, Hey, we're, we're hip deep in this kid's origin story. And then the, the stone falls out of nowhere. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. Obviously, in the long burn, we would want to find out where this thing comes from. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some drama and some family drama. But it's missing all of that stuff that the first book had, you know. Uh, Low-level crime boss teamed up with a supervillain. You know, family, like real honest-to-goodness, like family drama, which isn't to say... That, you know, there isn't family drama here between Connor and his dad and, you know, a dad who clearly cares for his son and really doesn't want him to have want him to be, you know, dealing with MS. Um, A whole lot of stuff is happening here. But at the same time, I just feel like the page count does not sell the amount of uh, emotional resonance that's necessary usual but it wasn't a full like two page or like a giant size so so first thing that stands out is like kid finding the thing it just reminds me of the last the kid nova from champions oh yeah sure uh-huh kid nova who after all this time i have stopped completely caring about it all 100 percent like i read the hell out of his book for a long time because it was nova and then it was like uh, 
okay, well, whatever. He's in the champions now. I don't care about them either. No, so. no one cares about champions. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Well, are you happy with it, man? Um, The only thing that made me happy at all was people referencing that they knew who Darkhawk was or that there was a, a fanboy on the uh, on the uh, Future Tech Baddie squad. And I'm like, this, this book is obviously it's a number one and it's setting stuff up. But I don't see this going longer than like seven issues. I think this is just going to get canned. I, I, you know, six I, like, issues and, and they replace them with I, someone bad. I don't know. New number I, one. I, the the last couple of pages <laughs> are a uh, are definitely going to be like a letters page and everything, but uh, they were like, you know, hey, we're going to talk to somebody who's got MS in every issue or something, and I'm like, really? So, You're gonna. Okay, that's kind of cool, I guess. That's kind of cool. So Marvel is catering to the MS crew. All right. How many That's angels? kind of... <laughs> it's hard for me to... It's like, I legit read this thing and was like... Uh, I, I, I understand trying to do that, but I at the same time, I'm like, you're going to take... A, a kid who has everything going for him and give him a debilitating disease, I guess. And because I don't know enough about MS, hopefully, you know, after reading several issues of this, I'd have some idea, but I feel like he's going to be like, well, well, I could just, you know, I mean, I can switch back and forth between being Connor and Darkhawk and, uh, It just does. It just feels cheap. I don't know. It just feels cheap. I feel like it's it's disrespectful. I feel like M- readers who have M- have MS are gonna they're not gonna be like this is my book. You know, that's disappointing. I mean, like, I don't feel like that's what's gonna happen. I, I want better to happen because Darkos the shit, but. Darkhawk as a conf- Darkhawk as a character had a lot going for it. Darkhawk initially was okay. Well, Spider-Man should be getting older, and all these characters should be getting older, and we need a new Spider-Man type character. We need a teen with a lot of angsty problems that aren't that are that are typical teen angsty problems, but we need to compound it with. Uh, you know, his dad is a cop who's gone missing for some reason, and the, everybody thinks his dad was on the take. That's un, in and of itself a huge problem, let alone girl problems and school problems, and being that's an a, older brother to the twins is a problem. And that's a lame mom, ass problem like, for a comic book character. That's a lot, of, but Peter Parker's problems were lame ass problems. He's an orphan and he's a nerd in the 60s and he gets picked on by the school bullies and he can't get a girl and he can't make enough money and he can't take care of his aunt and his uncle who he loved dies. And it's just like it's and then he's got an opportunity, but he screws it up for himself. This kid doesn't have it. This kid has an opportunity. He didn't screw it up for himself. Something you know, like his body has an issue, you know. 
the learning experience. That's why I feel like it's cheap. I didn't realize what it was until I went off on this tangent. Like, I don't like Peter Parker screwed up and his uncle got killed and he'll never get over that. Never. And this kid, Connor, he's tough. He's mentally and emotionally like he's not sitting there sulking about this. Peter Parker sulks sometimes. God, all this shit. And now I got superpowers. And, yeah, sometimes it's awesome to have superpowers, but it creates as way more problems than it's worth. And, like, Chris Powell, I got superpowers. It's creating way more problems than it's worth. And, like, you know, until a new creative team took Barcock into a wacky direction that delegitimized it big time, uh, it was a good book. And this, I don't know how you – I, just please, God, just prove me wrong. All right, that's all I want. I just want somebody to prove me wrong. That this, I just don't well, see you're, this going. You're, you're you're neglecting your love of the story. You're like you've been talking about how upset you are, but you you haven't talked about how much you love the story. <clears throat> Dark Cloud, I don't, I don't, just, just like you said earlier, it gets mishandled all the time. It starts out well, and then it gets mishandled, or it starts out shitty, and sure. then it just. Crashes in the ground like Amelia Earhart. Um, <laughs> like Amelia Earhart. We don't know that's what happened. Her, okay, her, her hand went down faster. Darkhawk went down faster than a girl's hand in math class. Got it. Oh, my God. All right. I just wanted to make you laugh, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm just what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying here is. I'm saying that. The true blue fanboy in you for a very niche comic book has been disrespected by rehashing stories that are not Darkhawk. They're not getting into the the existential moments that Darkhawk always went to. They're not going to the uh, amazing areas of the galaxy that Darkhawk always ends up at where he's actually one place or two places at the same time. And... You you're doing your best to try to like it, but you're secretly mad at everyone that made it. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, when that's what we talked about earlier. You know, you got a book that isn't always good, and I don't know that inventing a new character that is going to that is trying to capitalize on on a possible readership niche. Somehow it just feels like it's going to get, be disrespected. It's going to go away sad in the night. Like, all right, well, let's just ignore this from uh, now on. That this even happened. That's that's what that's what bugs me. Mm. Can't win them all, man. Freaking it's, no, no. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. You get those books that like, you really want to get into, and like ten issues in, you're just like, oh, this isn't this isn't as good as it used to be. Yeah, Sometimes I didn't take those ten issues. You know, I mean, I was reading the hell out of Star Wars until this War of the Bounty Hunters, and then you've got that banner across every book, and I'm like, okay, cool. Well, what's the main through line right now? I don't understand what's going on anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I've been picking up issues like they're in my inbox, but I don't know whether I, which ones have I read now. I don't know which ones I yeah. read anymore. And then like everything's 
everything's like there's there's a, a store that I go to and they have every variant cover out there on the wall and I'm like I have no idea looking at these which Wait, what I have what I don't have oh it's a nightmare mm-hmm. and, I feel uh, you there yeah that's that's tragic right now I'm like well I'm gonna err on the side of not getting any of this because yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on especially and I used to have an app that I could keep track of every book that I had but then they became defunct and i'm like god you know that's terrible i gotta upload everything somewhere again that's a huge ordeal when we're talking about massive multiple long boxes Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean at the same time you know i don't know other other stuff turned out what i mean tony what do you got next Uh, i'm gonna go some uh, i'm gonna go some suicide squad 2021 annual so we just uh, we just realized at the end of issue six that Superboy came face to face with Superboy. Yeah, and we're not quite sure what that means as of yet. We know that at least one, if not both, are clones, but we don't know what exactly that means. So we start out we're on a plane. It just says before, and Rick Flag is sitting here. With uh, this version of the Suicide Squad talking with Battletar, who is a Minotaur, and we see the team jumping out of a plane, and we've got uh, we got Bronze Tiger, we've got Deadshot, we've got Captain Boomerang, we've got Waller over here, and as as the squad jumps out of the plane, Waller and Flag are talking about, and Flag's over here talking about how he believes in. This, the whole point of the Suicide Squad is redemption, because quite frankly, if he doesn't believe it, you know why? You know how could he do any what they're doing? What they're being asked to do? That's the best part about the comic book that's been going on for the last year and a half, uh, maybe two, because uh, I've read a few different, more sporadic ones beforehand. But the movie was a hundred percent redemption. Yeah, yeah. No, we see that. Uh, you know. Waller comes back with you know you gotta you know, you're you know you just gotta follow these orders, you know he's just like you know I'm the guy you know you're the, you're the person behind the scenes I'm the one out there you know in the field with these guys and you know that's important and she's just like you know what's important is following orders <laughs> and he's like you know what Waller as he jumps out the plane I think we're gonna be the I think we're gonna be great friends oh, so apparently this is before they met. <clears throat> and then we turn around and um, in the early su- issue of the Suicide Squad, uh, Flag was imprisoned because he defied Waller. And then when uh, you know, when Waller ended up making the first mistake she's made in ten years, he says because she trusted Red X, oh. and Red X ended up, you know. Plus, you know, leading a prison assault in a on Bell Reeve, where all the prisoners got out, including Rick Flag. Hold on, and hold on. How, how many years after that are we into? You mentioned earlier. I just want to make sure I heard you right, because like this sounds like a, a future state type thing. Oh uh, no, this is that was all beforehand. This is this appears to be like when uh, initially when Flag and Waller first met. Gotcha. And then then we're going into current day. 
when they brought in Red X in like the first uh, three issues of the new version of Suicide Squad. Right. And he ended up leading, uh, going into Belle Reve, and a bunch of prisoners got out. And uh, Flag also got out, but he was able, he, he knows every inch of Belle Reve, so he was able to get out of out of the prison without Waller seeing what happened to him. Because he, he knows where all the cameras are at, he knows where the, you know, the guard schedules and whatnot, so he knew where to be to not be detected. So, and Waller, the whole story is we basically find out that Waller's basically trying to put together her own Justice League using similar, uh, people similar to the members of the Justice League from different Earths. And there's one of the, uh, one of the scientists working with her is telling her how this is, this isn't a good idea, you know, because all the, uh, every Earth, you vibrate at a different frequency. We talk about and, that all the time, 100%. Yeah, and all these frequencies can't coexist. You know, and you know, people can only, you know, if you're not from that Earth, you can only stay on that Earth so long before the different vibration just basically kills you. Oh, weird, okay. And she's like, you know, do what I, you know, and Waller, just being Waller, is like, do what I, you know, do what I tell you, or I'm just going to kill you and kill your family. Lots of spankings. Yep. And she's just like, you know, not everyone needs a bomb in their head to be motivated. And then we find out that uh, there's a problem, and it's Superboy. And then we turn around, and we're on, I believe, uh, they left Earth 3. I'm not sure what Earth they're on now. But we see Superboy talking with Superboy from uh, Reign of the Supermen. And nobody quite knows what's going on yet. The same guy that showed up last time with the guns and the holsters, or actual Reign of Superman? Uh, it looks like Reign of Superman, Superboy. Cool. So oh, that okay. was at the end of issue six, the last page. <laughs> you know, nobody's nobody's sure what's going on except for Waller, and Waller's trying to make sure that uh, you know she's like this. This happened a whole lot sooner than I wanted, because the whole thing is that Superboy is. We're not quite sure what's going on with Superboy that's on the squad right now, but he basically has a medicine he needs to take that is in the sub-basement of this lab that the squad needs to get to, and Superboy is blocking the lab. So we end up, you know, Superboy, Superboys end up fighting because, you know, Connor Kent, Superboy from the squad, is basically calling the other Superboy an imposter. And Bloodsport's just like, let's just finish our mission. We're going to get in here, get what we need, and get the hell out before more issues pop up. <laughs> and the whole time, Superboy is yelling at uh, our, our, the, the Suicide Squad Superboy is yelling at the other Superboy, talking about who the hell are you? You're an imposter. You're a liar. And they finally break into this uh, facility. And the squad's besieged by robots, and they're just obliterating everybody. While at the same time, Superboy's still going round and round with the other Superboy. And we end up finding out that Noctera, actually, that Noctera and Superboy are friends. And this is really kind of the first time they've really emphasized that relationship. 
and then they're they're still going at it, and I mean, you know, they're talking about you know, the other Superboys talk about how Amanda Waller wanted him on the squad, but he he you know, he turned him down, and she knew I'd never join, and she also knew that if she tried to kidnap me, there'd be hell to pay, because people would obviously be looking for him. So basically, the question comes down to. Instead of um, instead of finding Superboy, they found the perfect match, and it turns out that um, the Suicide Squad version of Superboy is actually a Bizarro Superboy. That's what we've been working. That's that's <clears throat> how. Give me more. Well, the whole, awesome. The whole thing ends up being that this um, this serum they need to get. For Superboy, his his medicine, as it were, is what keeps him from going full blown Bizarro. That's awesome. That is so yeah, fucking okay. cool. That is so cool. I never saw that coming, man. Like, like I, yeah. I thought maybe he had like like some weird checkered past that they hadn't given up, or like he had some sort of like had amnesia and was a bad guy for a while. We didn't know, but a Bizarro, fuck yes. Yeah, he's basically a bizarre, a clone bizarre of Bizarro, of Superboy. So he ends up the 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 longer he goes without his medication, the more into the Bizarro speak he gets, and his uh his skin goes gray and it cracks. Weird. All right. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> never even. So the whole time, Waller and um, this gentleman accompanying her, basically a bodyguard, right now is talking about they're going to enact the their, the uh, castle protocols are complete. They're trying to get Superboy the help he needs, while Peacemaker and his team are hunting down Swamp Thing, which we'll get to in the Swamp Thing miniseries. You know, everything's in place right now except for you. We need to get you to safety. You know, multiple hostiles are inbound. And Lawler just picks up her purse and starts walking towards the gate. And the gentleman with her is like, are we fugitives now? She's like, don't be ridiculous. We're the heroes of the story. And nothing's going to stop us. So this, and, this mm-hmm. wasn't like a, this wasn't a pivotal issue, a pivotal issue where something like major happened, like, you know, like Brainiac showed up. This is like setting roots underneath the bedrock. Yeah, we're finding we're finding the we're finding the cracks in Waller's stories right now. We're finding out, you know, we I mean, you obviously knew she doesn't care for the people that are in her employ, but like we're seeing we're seeing the true manipulation of her of what she can do. You know, we're finding out that she's you know she's you know lying about people's past, erasing people's past to get what she wants. You know, and let alone the fact that they're literally going to other planets and kidnapping people to bring into this Justice League, and we really don't know why she wants and why she wants a Justice League of her own, basically. So like, there, there's just layers upon layers in this. You know, plus we're seeing the uh, the relationships forming. You know, and you know. Bizarro Superboy is, you know, talking about how, you know, Noctero, Noctero walk, Nocturno walks in, and he, she's, he's like, you know, you're, you're basically, you know, in Bizarro speech, you know, Nocturna 
am Superboy's worst friend, you know, you know she's my best friend. <laughs> And she's just, you know, and seeing their relationship there because Noct- you know, Nocturna didn't know, Superboy didn't know, and she just grabs him and she's like, "I don't know what you're, you know, what he did to you, but you know, I'm, I'm here. Everything's gonna be okay. You know, we both need to see this." As she walks him into this room, and we just see just bodies in these incubators. We we see easily one to two dozen Superboy clones just sitting there waiting to be brought to life. More, more bizarres. Yeah, no, no. These ones are full blown. These ones are full blown Connor Kent Superboys, but then in the black T-shirt and everything. But you know, if they, you know, if they don't have the serum, they could easily become Bizarro Superboys. So even while genetically engineering them, they still can't keep the Bizarro out, even though they're using the Iranian Superman hero clone DNA. Uh, that, that's what it looks like. That's you know they're freaking. He's got to get these inject. I don't know. They don't say how often he needs these injections, but he needs these injections to become you know to stay for more or less normal. Huh. You know, Seaver boys over here talking about you know. No, you know, regular Superboy talking about how you know she's got to pay. You know this is this is ridiculous. You know, and he's like, you know, I've already called the Justice League. They're inbound, and checkmate checkmate agents are arriving at Bell Reeve. We're gonna you know we're gonna get you and get this. You know, they're calling a match. We're gonna get match the help he needs. And then before anything else can happen, Waller's teleporting the rest of the uh, the Suicide Squad back to Bell Reeve. And last thing we see is, you know, we see Match over here talking about, you know, how he should he should have known, you know, and how he's he's broken. He's not a mat. He's not a perfect. You know, he's not perfect like Superboy. And the last image is Superboy with his head down, just surrounded by all these clones of himself. Anyone saying kill me, please? No, nothing yet. <laughs> you know, we end up going back to a. Uh, we're on now on Task Force Island. We don't know where this location is. And the same, the same doctor's talking with Waller. And she ends up, you know, talking about how Waller overplayed her hand, you know. She's like, you know, you brought me here because you had to. So, you know, so I know you don't want my help. You need my help, you know. First off, you're going to leave my family alone. Or oh, just, yeah. if, if you want to, just kill us all. Who cares? Put your you know. foot down. Cause you you don't need me. You need me a lot more than I need you. And freaking, you know, we turn around and we're watching the squad coming back, and Match is just sitting there by himself. Just, you know, he still hasn't fully uh, turned back into Connor Kent, Superboy yet. And you no, know, all the Suicide Squads like we got we got to get him back to normal. Because he, he, he's basically our only hope of getting out of here alive. Mm. A bizarro. That's not only... Yep. Yeah, and then we turn around and that same doctor is talking with Waller some more. And she's like, you know, it's done. I'm, you know, I'll, We're going to leave your family alone. You know, and then she turns around and she's like, you know, is, is Match going to be... Is he a lost cause? And the doctor's like, he's stable. But I don't think that toothpaste is going back in the tube. <laughs> he, know, he, he officially knows what he is now. 
you know, and then she, but Waller just is like, you know, but, you know, did we get the readings of his fight with the real Superboy? And you know, the doctor's like, it's, you know, it, they're, they're off the charts. And Waller's just like, that's all that matters. He may not be the real Superboy or Superman, but he's ours. She wants the power. Yep. And then we end up going to this desert location, and it's Rick Flag. And he's walking into the secret the secret location, and it turns out there's a prison underneath here, and he's talking to a guy named Scudder. And then Scudder just looks at him. He's like, uh, "My friends actually call me Mirror Master Flag." Hell yeah! You know, and, <laughs> you know, if you're gonna, you know, are you here to like, are you here to make a deal? Am I gonna work for you, or are you just gonna blow my head off? And Flag is like, "I'm not here to ask you to join anything." You know, Waller's not involved in this. I actually need you to hunt her down. And this is going to be an invitation to join the new Task Force X. You know, you join you join and help. Your prison sentence is, you know, reduced. No neck bombs. You have a choice whether you want to do this or not. And, you know, and then he turns around and he's like, I actually have a mole inside the squ- uh, Waller suicide squad. Oh, hell yeah. And that says we still have a shot at taking Waller down. They... And as he as he takes out and uh, hands him all his Mirror Master gear, Mirror Master's like you have somebody planted in Waller's group. And then he looks at, he looks right at him and he's just like, "Who?" And it turns out that uh, who is actually the Talon. That's why he talked. The wrong person. Yep. Ta- the wrong person talked. Oh, dude, that's been fucking with me for months. The, yep. The, the wrong person was Talon. All mm-hmm. right, all mm-hmm. right. So it turns out Talon is working for Rick Flag while simultaneously working for Amanda Waller. Who's the poor bastard that's the fake Talon, though? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> Because when when they're leaving that that odd extra dimensional place where uh, Bloodsport is, you know they they had to rescue him. Mm-hmm. Help me! And the big fat I remember the guy carrying the big fat guy like what the fuck you say? <laughs> Why are you talking? I'm scared. But yeah, it turns out uh, Talon's you know double agent. So we'll see where that ends up going. I guess he really got me in Suicide Squad the way that Colin got me in Dinner Clothes. I'd read like a couple Suicide Squads, I'd read a couple of Dinner Clothes, but y'all's passion for each of those instead of Fire in My Ass. Like, I'm not going to miss an issue of Suicide Squad, not going to miss any Dinner Clothes. By the way, I found my Wilson in a uh, box <laughs> today. I was going, I was going, oh, really? Yeah, I was going through my uh, archives looking for a. Uh, I mean, my storage bin. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I found that $300 carnage cord. Oh, nice. And I put it back. I just couldn't do it. It was a flare card. Remember those? Remember how Fleer would make cards? Remember the flare cards that were like three cards thick that were like eight bucks a mm-hmm. pack? Yep. Colin, did you ever get any of those? Uh, no, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Yeah, uh... The Carnage one is worth a lot of money, and I saw it and I put it back. But I also found my full collection of Tick Comic Cards, Spawn, um, 
a bunch of old wizard stuff. Um, but I saw that that Cletus Cassidy, and I I put it back. I was tempted. I don't know how much money I make off of it. It'd probably take me weeks to make a quick cash grab, which is what I'm not after. But it was there. <laughs> really it really justified a lot of things. Like I found all my first print trick Balonic books, but. How do you feel about this, Tony, man? Like, uh, this was this was a big deal. You're a Suicide Squad expert, man. Like, like, what are you looking forward to? What pissed you off? Um, oh, no, no, nothing pissed me off. It's freaking... It's it's the layers of it right now. We've got freaking... Like I said, you got Waller's... Waller might either... Waller is either the biggest bad guy in all the DC or the biggest hero, depending on the angle you look at it with. You know, she's always, you know, she's always got a reason for doing what she does. And freaking whether you like it or not, she gets results. Like, she's she's screwing with people's lives. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you freaking, you do enough, you can get out. You know, so it's, she's not necessarily a liar on that spot, on that part, but she'll she'll lie about anything else. You know, so it's, it's interesting to see that. It's interesting to see, like, the relationships forming between members. Because mm-hmm. that's always, you know, these are these are villains. These aren't good people doing good things because it's morally the right thing to do. These are bad people that are forced to do good things in theory, or they're forced to do other bad things for good results. You know, you do that, you get you get a character that you haven't freaking seen in twenty, thirty years that freaking <laughs> just randomly will pop up. In a freaking Suicide Squad book for a few issues, you know, you you very rarely get like in a top tier A squad freaking supervillain, you know. And if you do, they're there for the long haul, like a Harley Quinn or a Deadshot or a right. Captain Boomerang. Right, hundred percent. But like the rest of the roster is always filled up with schlubs. You know, schlubs. you get you get a polka dot man, you get a freaking a uh, film freak. You know, in this one, you got a Calib- Calibra. I'm like, I've never seen Calibra never until heard, now. Never heard of my life. You know, Nocturna, never heard of. Apparently, she was... Ba- I did some research on her. Apparently, she was Batman's ex-girlfriend in, like, the 70s. Of course she was. <laughs> Freaking, she was just, like, a uh, socialite. And then, like, they, you know, they stopped using her forever. And she came back 10 years later as a vampire. What? Freaking, uh, it's, it's, you know, all kinds of insanity. Like, these are just, these are easily, like, easily dealish characters that, like, you don't see, and then, bam, they're dead. Or, yeah. bam, they last for a while, and you're like, El Diablo freaking had a six-issue miniseries. There's been three different versions of El Diablo, but other than freaking that's those miniseries is barely ever used until freaking New 52 Suicide Squad. You know, King, King Shark is not a very, you know, King Shark is huge now because he freaking got over in the movie. And, like, he was in The Flash, one of the Flash seasons, a couple of the Flash seasons, actually. Um, and, like, King a kind of recurring Shark. role. Yeah. But, like, other than that, he's not overly used until the New 52. New 52 brought him to, a, to the forefront. Freaking, you know, you get, like I said, every now and then you'll get, like, a cool Batman villain, like a Killer Croc or... I think Bane might have been there for a few issues. Zod was Zod was a member of the squad for legitimately like six issues. Zod. But like you it's you get such a variety of villains 
that it's like it, it's insane to like go back and like kind of check out some of these characters that you get into via the Suicide Squad book because you just you know some of them have like this great long lineage. Some of them are used two or three times. Hell, who cared about Bloodsport until he got freaking put in the Suicide Squad movie played by Idris Elba? Didn't give a shit. Nobody. Never heard of the guy. Turns out Homeboy in his first appearance shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. Which That's matters. pretty cool. Which matters. Yeah. It's badass. Yeah. You know, but freaking other than that, freaking, again, what else has he done? You know, you don't, you don't, like, that's the entire purpose of the Suicide Squad, really, is to get these, you know, DF-lister characters into something, doing something. You know, they had, legitimately, that entire Suicide Squad movie, like, the one, the one A-list character, Harley Quinn, nobody else in that movie really had a huge role. I couldn't tell you, I didn't know half of the people until they were announced for the Suicide Squad. Yeah, you know, let alone if they'd actually ever been Suicide Squad members. But that's the entire freaking point. Waller can basically cherry pick what character she needs for what mission. You go out there. If you survive, you go back to Belle Reve. If she needs you for another mission, she uses you. If she doesn't, you just you rot in Belle Reve. You think they'll ever turn the Works. tables on her? What was that? You think they'll ever turn the tables on her? Uh, they they definitely could. They definitely have a time or two, but freaking, at the end of the day, she's still the wall. You know, there's a reason she's freaking, like, you know, she's got three kids that she barely has contact with that freaking, um, she showed up once because her, her daughter was having a baby. And freaking somebody found out about it, and they were going to kill the kids to get back a waller. Yeah. And that was like the first time they'd ever mentioned that Waller had any family at all. And that, you know, that's, that goes back to the hero thing. You know, is she, is she a hero or a villain? You know, she's staying away from her kids to protect them. That, that's noble as hell. But at the same time, leaves these kids, these kids grew up without a mom. Still leaves weakness. And that's shitty. I agree. Totally leaves. I'm just taking Amanda Waller's side in this. Yeah, they'll get better. They're they're a bunch of jerks. They should have learned what we were doing. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're, that's the thing, you know, the, with Waller. Waller is the biggest gray area character in comic books. Is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Who knows? I mean, it, all depends know. On, it all depends on your perspective. Yeah. Only as good or as bad as she needs to be to be able to get that work done. She got a she got what, a golf club to the face. She got some, yeah, I think so. Hmm. That was wonderful. That's exactly what should happen. Like we we stray away from political stuff, but like when the proletariat rises and just smashes the authoritarians in the face with a golf club, she lands on her face, fucking dead ass, unconscious. And they, <laughs> you know, decommission the bombs. There's, yep. there's people that need to be reined in. I'm thinking about the guy from, from uh, Mars Attack. We gotta nuke him and we gotta nuke him now! <laughs> um, yep. Underrated classic. Underrated classic for sure. That's one of my favorite movies of all time is Mars Attacks. My wife hates it. I love it. It's amazing. 
Mrs. Morales has the right to disagree. But I'm only saying that because I'll never disagree with her. She's terrifying. She is. (laughs) Oh, what do we got? She's a sweetheart, though. I'm just giving some shit. No, she's great, though. You've got to catch us up on some serious fucking... uh, On Moon Knight? Moon Knight. This this is pretty. Moon Moon Knight. Moon Knight. All right, so I learned something the other day about Knight, about the evil Frenchman. Uh, Your mother was a hamster is a reference to a rodent that breeds frequently. So your mother's a whore. And your father smelt of elderberries. Elderberries were a commonly used uh, berry to make wine. So he basically was saying, your mother's a fat whore that breeds frequently, and your father's a drunk that makes his own booze. Yeah. That's where that comes from. Okay. Now, please. So your parents are Texans. Gotcha. Moon so then, Moon Kinnigat. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Okay, so Moon Knight is uh, Mark Spector, a former mercenary, did a lot of bad stuff, got left for dead in Egypt, and was imbued with some kind of power by the uh, Egyptian god Khonshu. Now, without going into all of the crazy multiple personality stuff and all the other nutty stuff, Moon Knight is a, it was a respectable character in the 80s. It was well done. And then uh, they decided to do wacky stuff with him for a while and make him more crazy, less crazy. You know, he's foundered around. Like, people have done a lot better work with him than they have Darkhawk. But, um... Uh, Bendis and Maleev did a killer Moon Knight book uh, several years ago where Moon Knight was like, hey, I'm going to be in uh, L.A. and I'm going to do stuff here. And he's uh, dealing with uh, Count Nefaria. That was my first really good Count Nefaria story. And uh, right now he's in New York. He recently... Became he was like uh, overpowered by Khonshu, and Khonshu tried to take over the world through him. But his but Khonshu is now imprisoned in Asgard. Uh, I didn't really understand what was going on in that story, and then it just kind of petered out. So at least this book is paying attention to it. This is a one. This is a number one and a number two issue. And it's really fascinating. It's paced really well. A bunch of stuff happens really quickly. It sticks to the character as we perceive it, because it feels like you can do different things with this character and get away with a lot. And so uh, he's basically, he's like, I'm the fist of Khonshu. I am his, uh, you know, his, his uh, avatar on Earth. I'm supposed to protect people who are in the night. So he's made himself into this preacher character, and he's opened a mission. And so people come to him, and they're like, hey, I've got a problem. And he's like, tell me about it. Okay, I can fix this. And it's like, what's your problem? Uh, Some weird crap is going on in my my building. Or 
there is some kind of like vampire pyramid scheme going on down here. Like, no kidding, the first page, really well drawn, uh, has somebody coming to Moon Knight and he's not offering money or anything. He's just like, hey, I got a problem. Like, some friends in my neighborhood have all gone missing and I'm suspecting some kind of odd characters. And Moonlight's like, I'm going to go take care of this. And he shows up and beats the bejesus and out of these vampires who have taken... They've taken people from the neighborhood and they're turning them into new vampires. And they're like, you're going to do this for us. And then when you go out and get some acolytes, then we'll be over you and them and you'll be over them. And it is a pyramid scheme. It's, I was going to say totally a vampire it pyramid is. scheme. It's exactly what he says it is. So like it, but like Moon Knight is also going to a therapist. It, oh, oh, the, hold on. Hold on. Before you go to the therapist. Does this have anything to do with the sovereign nation of Chernobyl, which is overtaken by vampires, uh, ruled by Vlad the Impaler, Dracula, that mm-hmm. is currently hunting the blood of Wolverine and just stole a bunch of the uh, Winter Hulk's blood? Anything so to do far, with that? No. So far, no. It could be, and I, I just haven't seen it yet, but... You know, why Moon Knight is going to a therapist in full costume all the time, like he doesn't take off his costume, why he's going to a therapist at all, I don't know. Like, nothing comes from that. We are the therapist reading into this. Because the thing is, I can take this Moon Knight at his word. Is he crazy? Or is he crazy because he was crazy and he still thinks he's crazy? Well, if is he, he well, or is is he feeling some kind of a disconnect? You know. Well, maybe the actual human is totally okay, but the actual crazy person is Moon Knight, and showing up in, in costume is healing Moon Knight, which is obviously affecting Mister Mark Knight. Mark Specter. Mark yeah. Spector. So we get past this, and there's a receptionist, and I don't make the connection. And this old lady is in there, and she's like, hey, yeah, a bunch of people in my uh, my building have gone missing. And he's like, I'll go fix it. And it's Vermin from Spider-Man comics. From but, nice. from Craven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Son and of a like, bitch. But it's not just Vermin. It's many, many, multiple. Somehow Vermin is cloning himself. And I'm like, well, how the hell does that happen? But like, No jackal? No, nothing. It's just like, okay, hey, you've been eating my people. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill a couple of yours. And then you can take it as that and go on your way. Or I can, I can eliminate you because I don't care. I am here to do my job. My job is to look after people traveling in the night. That is the purpose of Moon Knight. He keeps reiterating what it is he's supposed to be doing, and it's interesting. And then uh, this, and then the, 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 his receptionist, who's a total prick, she's just a total prick. Like he's like, "Hey, can you get us some coffee?" And uh, she's like, get it yourself. Like, it's just like, what? Why? <laughs> What's this attitude? What is she, Aubrey Edwards? No, she, it turns out to be she is one of the vampires that he rescued. A plant. And she's like, 
it's like, okay, well, look, you know, I mean, you, we both got turned into something. I got turned into somebody who saves people. You got turned into a predator. Like we have to manage those things or we let them completely take over. And then, uh, you know, some crackpot called eight ball doesn't want moon Knight to cut his face off, uh, when he's getting beat up by another dude who turns out to be a different acolyte of Khonshu. Like a ton of stuff happens in this issue. A ton. This is what an issue. This is what a number one issue should be. How thick by it? like, huh? It looks oh, like it's got a great cover, like thick, like press board. No, no, it does not. It's 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 all regular it's all, ass cover. Yeah, it's totally regular comic book. You were just it's holding got, it nice and stiff. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really tough, uh, and it's like. Like so much, like it, this happens in little episodes over the course of multiple nights, and it's like, damn, that's a lot of material, and it really propels itself. And in the last couple of pages, somebody's there in the shadows and is like, "I'm gonna break you down, Moon Knight. I'm gonna do it. You're, you're my project now. You're screwing with stuff out there, and I'm gonna take you down." And you're like, "Okay, so there's gonna be a big deal." Then another dude shows up, issue number two, another guy shows up and is like, hey, I got a problem. And we spend some time with Moon Knight and his new vampire receptionist, and they're they're trying to figure each other out. Uh, and she's really like, how do I go on being a vampire? Like, how, how do I have, can I have a life and be a vampire? Meanwhile, she's sipping blood out of a blood bag, which clearly came from a medical place. And it's like, well, I want to know where they're getting the blood. Capri and, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, like, what is this? This isn't coming from someplace uh, normal. And uh, this dude bursts in and he's all torn up and he's like, my name is Soldier and I, uh, I am, uh, my mom is in trouble and all the old people in my building are, are in trouble. They seem to be like, mentally occupied by somebody and he's like I'll look into it so he goes there and uh it's an it's the janitor the janitor in the place sweats and when he sweats and people get it on them or taste his sweat he has mental control over them that's I've never heard anything like that before that's, that's wacky gnarly. It's so totally he's been he... diluting his sweat into the cistern for the building and slowly mentally taking over all of these old people. <laughs> and he's wow. like, hey, man, I've just, you know, I've been doing this for years. Uh, I, I wanted, you know, ultimately I knew you would show up. And it's like, well, why wouldn't Daredevil or Spidey show up? Why wouldn't? Well, it's because this guy went to Moon Knight and asked him. To come and help. And this is all part of the plan. He reveals like, yeah, there's this other bigger guy out there that wants to nail you and I'm helping him out. And it's like, you can't get past this. I'm going to take you over and make you part of my thing. I'm going to have you go out there and kill a bunch of people and that's going to wreck you. And Moon Knight's like, oh, you know what? Just give me some of your, your some of your sweat. I'm going to take it. Wait, what? You think you could take my shit? Like I, you could take some of my power. I'm like, this is a vintage kick-ass comic book pissing match. My power is better than your power. I can do something with this. You know, uh, it's like, it's an old, it's the way they used to write new villains. Do you oh, think I'm more powerful than you are. Oh, are you? Yeah, let's give it a shot. You know, blah, blah, blah. This happened all the time in the Silver Age. Like, this is what wrestling is. No, I got this. I'm going to defeat you. Oh, can you? You know, this is what, this is what makes sense. 
It's just, it's astonishing. And then, of course, the guy that led him there is under the thrall of this dude. But he drinks the sweat, and he not only when you go into, when this guy takes over your mind, but you go into his mind, too. And the mania and the craziness that Moon Knight exhibits, this guy cannot deal with. And he's like, he's gorgeous. Oh, yeah, look at this artwork. Big, cool splash page. And he's like, I can collect you just like you're collecting these people. And he turns the dude into a sniveling wreck on the ground, and everybody's okay. (laughs) And he's like, okay, look, I mean, nobody can really deal with how crazy I am. I have to take everything that's crazy about me and messed up and all of the bad things I've ever done, kind of like Nega Scott in Scott Pilgrim, and I had to take this into myself and accept it and make it a part of how I deal with things. And so he takes this moment and he has a conversation with his vampire receptionist. And in the end, it's like, man, yeah, you've got to take this thing and you've got to make this a part of who you are. Like, that's how I figured out how to be myself. Like, and I'm, I'm, and the other aspect about this that was fascinating was that he is separated from his God. His God has been removed from him and is imprisoned by otherworldly godlike figures. And he's like, I'm disconnected. But until my God, until I can find a way to rescue my God or until my God gets out, then I'm going to keep being my God, his hand on this earth. And it's like it's so Dungeons and Dragons right there. Like, I used to play, play D&D with a guy who was a paladin, and we got descended into Ravenloft. So he's totally cut off from his god. And that dude had a really hard time role-playing that. He really didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, man, you know, somebody who, was, who had been doing this for a while might have had a, a bit of better luck. But uh, things being what they are, I mean, imagine that, you know. Imagine that your god is somebody you can commune with uh, and they're going to talk back to you and not in mysterious ways. And they're going to utilize you in ways. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, he's been pow- overpowered by other gods. I mean, just a fascinating concept that that's going on. And he's still like, do I have powers? I mean, I go out there and I beat people up like Batman. But the question remains, is he immortal? Can Moon Knight be killed? That's, a, that's part of, like, is that his actual power? Is that Khonshu has imbued him with immortality? Is it, so, a te- it, is it a test to like lead up to his death inevitably? Uh, I don't know. I mean, because apparently he's been killed a couple of times in other storylines. This book is paying all. attention to every other Moon Knight story that anybody's ever written. And so far, I got to say, that is what's making this so good. And then, like, this character just being like, I accept everything about myself. The bad things, the good things. Most people would think there's more bad than good, and even the good that I'm doing might be considered bad because I'm not Spider-Man. I'll kill you, okay? I'm not the Punisher. I'm not going to kill everybody. I'm going to figure it out. And then he's got his detective qualities. This book, I'm going to be picking this up. I'm going to keep up with this. It will eventually you know, disintegrate 
or it'll do a 12 issue run or whatever. But like I have every, every moon Knight book that's come out for the past 15 years, that's done this and hasn't been like moon Knight in somebody else's story has been really good. And I'm not like a big fan of moon Knight. I'm just saying, this is a good, this is good writing. This is a good book. And I'm, I'm like, I'm amazed at what two issues has given us. This is, this is rich stuff. Rich stuff. What do I know that from? Goonies. Oh yeah, the rich stuff. Yeah, I don't even know why I pulled that one out. No, no, it's, it, it was still perfectly yeah. right. Yeah, man. Why wouldn't they have? God, could you imagine? Like, I, I'm not a big fan of like the pop culture mashups, but if it like Moon Knight had stashed that uh, all the rich stuff going through Moon Knight, mm. Moon Knight booby traps, full on Egyptian overture. That's that. That would be crazy because he would like that would be stuff that gets into your brain. That's the messed up part of it. It's not just going to be traps. Honestly, guys, I know that there's a Moon Knight MCU like movie or show or appearance show, coming up, yeah. and whatever that adds up to. This is a great launching off point for anybody who wants to read about Moon Knight. That's contemporary, and if you can find that Bendis and Malieve collection or find it in single issues, that was really really good. Because in that book, he was dealing with some multiple personality stuff. He would talk to Wolverine, Spider-Man, and Captain America. And they would manifest, and he could have conversations with them, but they were part, they were, they were, you know, split personality issues. But because of that, he was like, well, I'm also tech savvy because I'm a freaking superhero. So he was like, I'll create a laser Captain America shield. Or now I've got laser uh, claws. And, okay, now I've got, like, you know, web shooters and stuff, and I can climb walls. And it's like, if my multiple personalities are going to be a part of me, then I'm going to use them in a way that makes them worthwhile. I can climb walls. I can slash people. I can defend myself with a laser shield. I was like, that is so freaking great, man. Like, the people who do stuff with this guy go to crazy directions that really build it. And right now to have a book that's this good, that is paying attention to all that is badass. If at some point he blocks something with a laser Captain America shield, I'm going to be freaking thrilled. We're going to have to buy it for you. Sorry, what? We're going to have to buy it for you. <laughs> I'll take a laser shield. Yeah, man. This was awesome. Yeah, this was awesome. This is a good book. Ah. Oh. Where did my other one go? Oh, yeah. I put them on the floor as I read through them. <laughs> Physical copies. How are you guys doing? I am just happy hearing you mark out about Moon Knight, man. I love he- uh, it's, it's It's amazing. Yeah. It, it, it is amazing, but, like, the, the your, your level of introspectiveness, I couldn't even, like, grasp. I mean, I grasped it, but, like, you just kept going and going. I love hearing you, like, just get on the jazz. Mm-hmm. I'd say yeah, that's a crazy. It's it's an impressive place to go. Like I, I'm I'm kind of shocked. It worked out like that. Mm. Oh man, we got one more book left. Go oh, do it, Hellions. You 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 gave us the abridged version earlier. I'm not asking for a bridge version. I'm asking for the passion you had in it because you didn't just recap it. You got really like balls deep, like. Happy about every little goddamn thing going on in Hellions, man. Help us out. All right. So we got a uh, – basically the Hellions are trying to figure out what the hell's going on with 
Mr. Sinister and all his clones. And they had, um, we find out that while we thought Murder World was destroyed by Sinister, it was not. And underneath it is uh, another lab of Mr. Sinister's. But before that, we have uh, Tarn the Uncaring and his group of genetically altered mutants from another dimension mm. battling X-Factor, or X4, or Hellions. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> but um, they're battling them because Mr. Sinister took them to get genetic information from Tarn the Uncaring, and Sinister being Sinister stole it. And this group, him and his group of, of mutants brutally murdered each and every member of the Hellions. So they're not quite sure how to handle it. Now, Tarn is basically... Like they, the This version of Mr. Sinister has really kind of played up the camp, let's say. He's just a very... He's, Almost, almost likable, just with how goofy of a character he is. But yet, at the end of the day, he's still Mr. Sinister, and he's still a rat bastard. And somehow that endears you ever so much more to him. Tarn just is Mr. Sinister's desire to mess with the genetics of others. But he is all bastard, no comedy. He is he's going to do what he's going to do, and you can suck it. So he's got this group of mutants, you call them, or perhaps mutates. And they are Sickbird, Amino Fetus, Mudgear, Hex Butcher, and Mother Rapture. Hex Butcher? That's one of the worst names I've ever heard in my life. That's one. Of, that's that's almost bad. That's that's almost as bad as Fang McFrost that they wanted Stone Cold to go after. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not great names, but they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty hardcore soldiers. So now <laughs> uh, we end up finding out that Psylocke was more aware of the things going on than she had led the Hellions to believe because she knew about Murder World um, still being around. Murder World. <laughs> and, you know, Grey Crow basically is just like, you know, after everything we've been through together, you're, you're lying? Like, you've, you've lied to us? Like, that's, you know, he just can't come to terms with it. And at the same time, Sinister and his clones have made it to the lab only to have Tarn come out, uh, follow them. And Mother Rapture finds Tarn and is just like, uh, sir, we get, we gotta go. Um, stuff's about to happen with Amino, Amino Fetus. And he's like, you, how you dare talk to me without me allowing you to? And she basically turns around and she's like, you know, he's eating too much. And he's just like, oh, God, I got to go. So, um, Grey Crow doesn't exactly handle Psylocke's betrayal very well. And he just starts blasting 
amino fetus and then feeding him uh, dead body parts. That's awesome. Which ends up pushing him over the limit. As Tarn runs in, it's like, oh, no, please don't, dear God, no. And then we find out about the uh, the damnation cycle. So it turns out Amino Fetus has four, um, basically, parts of its life cycle. We start out with the abominable germ, which is when they, uh, he evolves a heinous aversion of the life force and is basically <laughs> conceived. Excuse me. We have the accursed embryo which is where he seeks out a master such as Tarn. We've got his current um, his current version of life, the amino fetus, where all, all he wants to do is eat and eat and eat, swallow, swallowing into a lumbering shame. A master may know when the amino fetus, amino fetus is ripened. A master may know that the eating must stop. And then we find out about the, uh, the fourth cycle of life, the atrocious infants. And after gorging for a final time, the infants come. The infants do not feed on life, but they feed on strands of time. And so the universe finds annihilation. And basically, we turn the page, and hundreds of tiny fetuses <laughs> are are erupting out of the back of this engorged mutant. We need to get the fuck out of here, guys. Now. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. So, all, and all these things do is they eat time, and they're going to basically destroy life as we know it. And to make matters worse, on top of this, uh, we find out that uh, what Sinister's been working on with the genetic information he stole from Tarn is he is making a chimera mix of himself and Karn. And uh, we find out, you know, why don't you, you know, he looks as he's, you know, telling everybody what he's going to do. He looks at Psylocke and he's like, why don't you tell them exactly what I have over you? And Psylocke turns towards the Hellions. is like, I'm sorry. He's got my daughter. They haven't referenced that since the beginning of Krakoa. Yep. And we find out that not only does he have her his, her daughter, but she only exists digitally. So in all these computers, you know, that's where she you know she's mm, at right yeah. now. That's the only way to get her back. And we end up seeing that the uh, the Chimera is awakening, and right then. Empath the Hellions uses his powers to take over Havoc and basically set him off in a, in a rage. And we just see as he's about to erupt, we see uh, Psylocke saying, like, Alex, please don't. And Havoc destroys everything in the entire lab, including the computers that house Psylocke's daughter's DNA. Hmm. And that's the end of the book. So he's... Someone's going to have either saved it, or he's about to... He's about to die. And the whole thing is, you know, Havoc's always been the uh, the screw-up brother of the Summers clan. And he apparently really screwed up again. Uh, 
But yeah, that's where we uh, that's where we leave everybody right now. Murder World's officially destroyed, officially this time. Um, Sinister's lab has been destroyed. Well, on and we have the end of the world coming. How do you feel about them making Sinister less than Sinister from what we grew up with? I find him. I find him more interesting. He, he's like I said, he's campy. He he's almost he's almost like a Batman sixty six villain. <laughs> but he he's uh, he's interesting because he's still like I said he's he's a rat bastard who's who's still he just likes playing with people's lives and he doesn't you know to get what he wants and. You know the 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 core fact like we talked about Batman earlier. The core of Sinister hasn't changed at all. He still enjoys messing with DNA and screwing with people, but now he's doing it with a smile on his face. And it's not even those never, jagged never teeth from the TV. Yeah, I mean they kind of you know he never was he's never really been like other than the uh, the mutant massacre was probably really the last time he was a huge front tier villain like that and uh, he played you know he was always playing both sides in the age of apocalypse storyline so like he's always kind of he's always been very manipulative and that definitely hasn't changed but like i said he's just he's just campy with it now he's just kind of like i said doing it with a smile on his face bastard yeah but he's so fun. He's not just fun. He's like, do you do you hear his, the voice from back in the days all the time every time he talks? No, I definitely don't. Like, it's definitely not that. Cause it almost it almost came off like a robotic voice, and it's definitely not the same voice that's in my head when I like read Hellions. Hmm. I don't remember him very well from the cartoons. It's odd because like. <clears throat> I don't think I ever got to see some of the later material from that time period. Yeah, because they only, they only ran for they ran a solid five seasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Sinister was definitely, especially with the uh, with Cyclops, he was definitely like the uh, a huge antagonist. So I felt like he got plenty of time, plenty of play. But yeah, he definitely. Uh, I'm definitely digging this version of Sam. I'm digging the whole Hellions. It's just, it's it's very Suicide Squad-ish. We're like freaking, it's a bunch of guys that just don't get along together trying to make this ragtag <laughs> bunch of people work. Yeah. It's not nearly as much death, but then again, you know, if, if they happen to die, they can just be reborn anyway. See, that's, the, yeah, thing. It, that's the thing. That's the thing. If you're reading all the X books, the the X the X Men, the mutants have a hubris to them. They think they've conquered death. Yeah. And as soon as they don't, see where they see what unfurls from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all I got for tonight, guys. This has been the the Batman talk alone is worth twenty thirty dollars. Like. That, that that should have been like a hot wing episode or worth this weight in tacos. Yeah, you know oh, those tacos you missed out on. Bastard! I'm I, I, I made tacos that night, and I had I had a 
Carnage, uh, Maximum Carnage on Super Nintendo. Waiting for your late ass to show up. I had to work. Yeah. I, had to, I had to work, boy. I had to work the last two weekends, man. Freaking people aren't going to shoot themselves. Still going to give you shit, man. <laughs> still going to give you shit. Uh, I had to, had to save the world one COVID shot at a time. You really are, man. We appreciate what you're doing. Colin saving the world one good story, one good movie at a time. And I'm just taking pictures of greasy people. <laughs> In there. <laughs> Colin, it's your turn. Send us off, man. All right. Um, this is dangerous. And this transmission is over. <laughs>